glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you got those New Year's resolutions. Maybe you're bettering yourself. Maybe you're just recovering from all the holiday cheer, whatever the case. This is it. This is the big one. This is the big show of the year. Our last show of the year. I like to call it our best show of the year. DLC, of course, your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Truebill. Truebill bringing the show to you, DLC. Of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is the enemy of best, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I think, oh, it says Jeff Kanata, my lower thirds are weird. I think that might be my favorite intro you've given me. The enemy of best? Yeah, I like that. It's, that's very funny because I gave you the exact same one last year and you bristled. You I know. Did. And that's why I said it was my favorite oh, this I year. You're being, you're being ironic. Mm-hmm. And I'm tying it in. Last year, oh, I, I get it. Doing. There you go. I get yes. it now. I'm slow yeah. on the uptake. Uh, it's okay. It's been a week. It's been a week for me. Um, Man, this is it. As I said, this is the big one. This is my favorite episode of the year where we get to talk about all of our favorites for 2021 it's a huge episode and because it, it as you know dlc always stands for your downloadable downloadable canada and your downloadable christian and this week dlc stands for deciding our list of champions you know if you've listened to the show in previous years you know there is only one guest that could possibly be our guest for the last episode of the year. That's right. You know him. You love him. Who's that coming on the podcast today? It's me. So good. I have a An- song. I, I miss that song. Anthony. Yeah. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Of course, that incredible uh, personalized intro uh-huh. song comes courtesy of Sean Madigan and his wife, who have made a number of jingles for our show. And we are so grateful for Sean, all of his hard work and talent. If you want to hear more awesome stuff, Sean Madigan and his wife do a holiday an original holiday song every year. This year, they did a song called uh, Mrs. Claus is a Witch, which is very oh. funny and smart and clever. Uh, check out him on Spotify. You can search for Sean Madigan on Spotify or on YouTube or on SoundCloud, I believe is also a place, iTunes, you know, places where you get music. We are so grateful for Sean Madigan 
uh, all of the awesome uh, bumpers that he's done for us over the years. But Anthony, I have to say, yours is is top tier. I mean, it's so a good. personal favorite. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's rare that you get a song about yourself in life, mm. and um, I I wish we could play it more often. Sean and I talked about this on Twitter, and I said. Uh, you 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 kind of pigeonholed yourself by saying the specifics of my appearance, and he was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I did." <laughs> uh, I said, but uh, but see, you know, it's, like, it's, it's worth it's the worth wait. The wait. It's yeah. worth the wait. Agreed. I'm gonna look forward to all year long. It's like the uh, like the hype train, the E3 hype train song. You know, you got to look forward to it all year long. I, 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 to put on well, I only heard it for July. the first time. Yeah, I only heard it for the first time last year, so it's like being reacquainted with it with an old it's, friend. Yeah. It's like an old friend. I love yeah. it. And you are an old friend, and we are delighted to have you. We This is not a usual episode of the DLC podcast. We're not going to do our usual segments, but it is a pretty epic one nonetheless. We are going to, you know, there are top 10 lists all over the interwebs. You can find a top 10 list any day of the week. In fact, you could probably find a top 20, a top 30, a top 50 list of video games for 2021. Because why? Eh, websites like clicks. You know, they like the clicks. But they eh, like the clicks. We, we here at the DLC podcast, we are not satisfied with a top 10 or a top 20. Nay, not even a top 50. No, we make it hard on ourselves for you. We make it difficult. Got to make those hard decisions. Why? Because we only do a top 50. Five. That's right. Cut it off. Cut it off. Only the best of the very best here on our end of the year episode. Although we are also going to be doing a second top five. It's not our six through 10. It is a top five of those diamonds in the rough, those hidden gems, those dark horses, games that you probably aren't going to see on a lot of other people's top 10 lists, but we're going to do a top five of just games that deserve to be talked about another time before the end of the year. Christian is being equivocal on on video because he's probably broken the rules as usual. Yeah. How many many DLCs are on this list this year? I know. Just this one, baby. Just this one. Ooh. So that's what you've got in store for you. Uh, This is our end of the year best. No, I can't say that. No, we, we don't call it the best games of the year because Christian is the enemy of best. No, we have another Sean Madigan original for you to explain what this is all about. Sampling. That is right. Based on an incomplete sampling, these are just our favorites. Christian will not allow us to use the word best. And it's hard to come up with a definitive list anyway in this year when hundreds of games come out. We're going to come to the table with our favorites. And I think this year, more than most, uh, our lists are going to be about personal favorites. Uh, and and I'm, I'm excited to hear what you guys have. But first, before we get to any of those lists, I want to look back. We always do two end-of-the-year episodes. We do a look-back episode with Anthony. 
But we look back on the year that was and we we pick our favorites. And then next week's episode will be our look forward. It'll be the first episode of 2022. And it'll be our look forward on, on, on our predictions of what that year will be. And we'll come to a reckoning of our predictions from last year. So you have that to look forward to next week. But no summation of the year, no look back would be complete without talking first about the biggest news stories. Because on DLC, we we talk about news stories every single week. We talk about the stories of the week. So this is our stories of the year. And it's hard not to think, you know, I listened a little bit to last year's end of the year episode uh, before, as I was preparing for this episode. And of course, last year, the biggest story was COVID, the pandemic, the global pandemic, the supply chain issues. Certainly a big story that persists in 2021. It hasn't gone away. Uh, I don't think we need to rehash it too much. Everybody's very familiar, but still can't get those new gen consoles. Still can't get those fancy video cards. Um, Anthony, do you think this story will persist? It looks like it's going to persist into 2022. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like... um, I, I would imagine that maybe we'll see some kind of uh, readjusting of predictions, but I think most people wanted to just be conservative and say, prepare yourself. Cause there was like a lot of discussion about, Oh, buy your, buy your Christmas gifts really early. And then a lot of people said, Oh no, the supply chains were okay. You were able to get some stuff. I'm sure plenty of people would disagree with that. Um, so I'm hopeful that maybe we'll see some stability uh, next year, but I would not be but surprised if Omicron says what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next year we're going to be, you know, talking about gamma and I don't know how how deep does the Greek alphabet go? I don't know. Zeta? Uh yeah, I don't. Uh, uh yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to I don't want to ever know. Yes, correct. Uh Christian, yeah, I, I I agree with you. We don't need to talk too much more about it. Everybody is familiar with the supply chain stuff, but it it still remains a big uh issue in, in all of tech, uh specifically in gaming. Um, you know, Lots of game delays, uh, hardware still hard to get. What do you think that's going to mean for this generation of hardware? I mean, we just saw the release, uh, you know, just in the last couple of weeks of that Matrix Awakens demo of Unreal Engine 5. It sounds like we haven't even really started revving up these new consoles yet. So maybe maybe it's fine that uh, that people haven't been able to get them. What do you think? Yeah, I do think the scalability of Unreal Engine 5 could perhaps lengthen this console cycle. Um, We kind of, it's funny because it's like, oh, well, a console cycle is X number of years. But there haven't really been that many console cycles when you think about it, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, especially that many where the players are Sony, Microsoft, and the Nintendo's playing tetherball by themselves. And just winning, you know, because they're over there. No one's challenging them. They're playing their own game and they're winning every time. Um, and, and so it's hard to say, like, what? how long is a console cycle? What is one? What is that? And what is the cloud going to mean for what a console cycle is or isn't? Um, it'll be very interesting to look back to see how long this quote unquote generation lasts for. But I agree with you, Jeff, that we haven't seen it flex yet in, in, in and yeah. like oh my gosh this is next gen only 
aside from load times, right? Which are like, oh yeah, playing Forza Horizon 5 on a series console is night and day from on a last gen just in terms of getting in and getting out. And same with like yeah. Spider-Man. Miles Morales, great game on a PS4. Uh, you don't even see the loading screen. You have to optionally turn on you know, the yeah, fun the commuting subway. loading screen yeah. to yeah. see it. There's little subway stops, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, it, it's interesting because correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but I don't think that unreal engine five was impacted by any of this stuff. It, even if there yeah. had been no COVID, we would have, st- we would have maybe would have gotten these, uh, these consoles. They would have been ample supply perhaps in this alternate universe where none of this is impacted. And we, ha- you know, able to just walk into a store and get a, a system. Maybe there's many more of them, maybe more of these games, uh, are yeah. exclusive to these consoles and less cross-gen stuff, but we still wouldn't have had Unreal Engine 5 until you know several years into their life cycles. And I think it's pretty clear, looking at that Matrix trailer, that these new engines are really what's going to push this hardware, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that is kind of the the baseline of, okay, here's where we feel like we're in next gen. I do think it's somewhat exciting, this idea that more more developers, more companies are are willing to let people mess around with their stuff on their consoles when normally, you know, the three of us would be in a room in E3 just seeing somebody play it, and now we get to play it. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of neat. I think that's that's like... I think we talked about it last year, but that's been the most exciting thing is kind of the pipeline and, and whatnot. Yeah, um, reinventing that. Yeah, reinventing that process because you know, yeah. reinventing it for for remote everything. Yeah, but also on top of that, just like you know, having those situations where a publication uh, like ours or or any publication out there is able to access previews and and things like that, and they go well enough that the companies are willing to release them to the public or have opportunities to do more than just multiplayer betas, kind of like we saw with the Elden Ring network test. And I think yeah. that's that's pretty exciting. Um, but I do, yeah. It's funny though, because a lot of a lot of console cycles, at least for me, it seems like uh, a company's only just hit their stride and then the next console's out there. Like a good barometer for me has always been like, what's the Naughty Dog exclusive? Um, yeah. And both times it was like, here's the Naughty Dog exclusive, Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2 at the tail end. Like, yeah. Imagine if this game was just developed for this console that's just a just a couple months away. Um, and then by the time they release their new thing, it's like we're going to be looking at the PlayStation 6. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm curious to see, you know, half step, half step consoles and how those will play into like extending things. But I personally... Uh, like the idea of being able to get more of a taste in terms of like even just playable tiny things of what they can offer. So at least you're giving me something versus making me wait and, and having other people just see through trailers. Here's what it's supposed to look like and getting more of a sense of here's what you can expect to experience. Yeah. Well, I will officially say here's hoping that next year at this time, we aren't talking about supply chain issues and, a global pandemic still. So uh, I don't know what I can rest that hope on, but I'm going to hope it nonetheless. Uh, The other, I think undeniably massive story uh, from this year is Activision Blizzard. The lawsuit that hit in July, uh, the state of California suing um, 
Activision Blizzard and the constant and uh, unending fallout of that, where every single week, it seems, a new shoe was dropping, more horrible uh, details were coming out. The company's response was uh, clumsy at best and repugnant at worst. Uh, It's been a cavalcade of errors and embarrassments for what was once a very uh storied company i mean honestly blizzard was my favorite video game company (laughs) until this year really uh and it's uh it's a sad state of affairs uh anthony undeniably a massive story for 2021 Oh yeah, I, I think I think it's probably the biggest story, and it might actually end up being a big story next year as well, just because of the fallout from whatever lawsuits or legal things, uh, investigations happen, and then as we've seen, kind of not Activision being the groundbreaking situation, but one of the bigger ones. It's encouraging other people to come forward and say, "Here's my experience at this developer," and forcing other companies to look at them, their. HR departments look at their you know employee policies and how they treat their employees. So I think this is probably going to be really longstanding. I would say this is the bigger uh, kind of result of this, not the legal action and what it will have like effect on Activision's bottom dollar. But you know, as we've seen with like a company like Bungie, they came out and released a statement and said, "Hey, you know, we're going to look at ourselves," and then. Not too far after, people said, "Hey, look, I I worked at Bungie, and Bungie had some some yeah. problems as well." And so you, you kind of had this feeling, like, "Man, is it just everyone?" And I think that's good, though, that more companies are are becoming self aware of what's going on and what people can experience at their uh, under their employment and, and yeah. making changes for the better. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that. I think one of the things that this whole fiasco has made clear is what women in the industry have been saying for a long time, which is it's not just isolated cases. It's not just a few bad apples. It's a culture in this, in this industry. And maybe it's every industry, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, And it, it certainly does seem that this sort of male dominated industry of video gaming has been rife with this kind of uh, awful treatment of women and uh, hopefully this is resulting in a sea change. We've seen the dominoes fall at Ubisoft. And uh, as you yeah, I mean, well, I mean, at least coverage of it, right? Yeah, no one's fallen yet. They're, well, still, they're still sailing that ship. Yeah, yes. Um, but but there's been there's been a bit of a reckoning or at least an awareness. Uh, this, these stories have started to come out and be covered. And I think yes. that's step one, right? And and I, I I'm hopeful that it, is indicative of positive change moving forward. I don't know, Christian, you seem more pessimistic. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, Bobby's still uh, yeah. you know, on top of Activision. Eves is still on top of Ubisoft. Like there, there's been, you know, lieutenants uh, or whatever right. that have maybe been uh, thrown out to the wolves. But I, I'm hopeful that we do see that larger change. And I'm hopeful that, um, we see uni- unionization in a broader, bigger way, and that continues to gain momentum. Um, you know, not not looking forward as much, but looking back, it's a huge story, right? And I think that's where it could remain a large story into the future as well. Is if it does, if if uh, ABK does unionize, yeah. and what that means for other studios, um, or uh, you know what 
tone deaf statement does Bobby draft to give someone else to sign their name to, uh, to throw themselves under the bus uh, going forward. It's definitely not the last we've heard of it. Um, And I hope it leads to positive change and not more um, same old, same old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly the story we have covered most often uh, on this show, the, 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 story that it keeps popping up. Uh, like I said, almost weekly, there is new shoes dropping on this one. Uh, and I don't see any sign of that changing in 2022. I think we're, we're still going to see the, the repercussions of all of this. And like I said, I'm, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it because it is really a clear problem, but that, that persists, but I am hopeful that this is all positive progress forward. You know, that this, that these companies are reckoning with this. They are forced to, to do this, to, to, uh, deal with the legacy of this stuff to change and to make a better workplace for every manner of person, <laughs> you know, women and, and everyone else. Uh, so I hope, uh, you know, I, I remain hopeful that this is, this is what needed to happen. This is a, a painful, uh, period that needs to be painful. Uh, and I know that it, it probably should be more painful for, for many, but, uh, we'll see how it all shakes out and we'll continue to cover it on the show, but it is, you know, it's an earth shaking. This is mainstream media stuff. This isn't just video game culture podcasts like ours. Uh, this isn't just hobbyists, enthusiasts press. This is major earth shattering billion dollar company kind of, uh, (laughs) state of California. It's not, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. And it it shows you the size and scale of that story when it overshadows what I think in any other year would be the biggest news story in video games, which was the story that knocked everybody for a loop in March when Microsoft bought Bethesda. I mean, that yeah. that should be the big that should be the story we look back and went. Megaton in 2021, like the, the biggest thing that happened. And it's like, what, the third thing we're talking yeah. about, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's still a massive, massive deal, uh, yeah. Anthony. And, and you know, that happened early in the year, back in March. How do you think it has played out over the course of 2021? How, how do you look back on the purchase of Bethesda by Microsoft? Well, it kind of existed in in two phases. There was the uh, I don't want to phrase it in the wrong way, but this like uh, delusional phase I'm going to call it, <laughs> where the people were like, "Oh, so Microsoft bought Bethesda, but like you know, we're still going to get like all the games on on PlayStation and, and whatnot." <laughs> and then and then the the post, you know, the like I think hangover. you're describing the stages of grief, Anthony. <laughs> the stages of denial. Grief, like, then the hangover <laughs> <Bargaining>. stage where <laughs> Bill Spencer was like, "Hey." Yeah, we didn't buy this company not to put their stuff exclusively on our consoles. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it is a big deal, if only because Bethesda makes some massive games. Uh, granted, yeah. none of those games have, you know, were sort of in that pipeline uh, at the time outside of Starfield. But now I think we're going to start to see lots of discussion about, okay, well, how do we... Uh, view these games as as successes and releases because they released on Game Pass. They were available to anybody that own that subscribes to that service, and uh, 
does it even matter? You know, does does the success of Starfield relative to Skyrim even matter anymore because Microsoft bought them to uh, bought Bethesda in order to get something like Starfield on their consoles? Um, but yeah, for me personally, it doesn't really matter. I have them all. I would play that. I would play it wherever it was. But I think it is a big deal in terms of those like console wars and those discussions about you know, grabbing companies and, and purchasing them and, and exclusives because it seemed like we were dialing back a little bit from that. And now it almost seems like we're waiting for it to ramp up again. We're well, waiting don't, you for think, s- don't you think it's even bigger deal because of Xbox game pass? I feel yeah, like you know, absolutely. That, that's a, di- I mean, in the, in the old days, it's like, Oh, you can only play it on this console. Oh man, I have to get multiple consoles or I'm only going to get one console. I can't play those games. Now it feels like, well, now I don't have to buy those games. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, I mean, yeah, for, for me, for me personally, it's like, I want PlayStation to introduce their game pass. I want everybody to have a game pass yeah. so I can just subscribe and never buy a game again. It's but, a different, it's a different uh, prospect altogether nowadays. When, when uh, one of these big acquisitions happens, it's, it's like, especially for Microsoft, it's like, Oh, well, all of a sudden day and date, I already own these games. It's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, I agree. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. new wrinkle. Uh, and and Christian, you know, one one way we can look back, I suspect we may be looking back on 2021 in, in years ahead, is that it was the the, the beginning of the big buy-ups of these uh of the you know, Microsoft buys buys Bethesda, Sony bought what well, Housemark and uh Blue Point Games, Valkyrie Entertainment, Nixus Software. There's just like all these all these developers being bought up and there's sort of this like claiming of territory. Microsoft in you know previous years was buying up developers as well. What do you make of this? Do you, do you think it's a, a bad thing or do you think, you know, in sort of this monopolization or, 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 um, um, you know, exclusivity of these, uh, of these developers or is there a, an upside? There's certainly upside. I do think the homogenization or monopoly, you know, version of things could paint a a bleak picture potentially, depending on how these companies are run and managed. I mean, EA had certainly bought and, and others as well, but there have been companies before that have bought incredible developers who uh, then become less than incredible developers, um, you know, and, and their games suffer. And who knows what goes, I mean, a company is just a name and then an employment agreement to keep core talent at that company for X number of years under the purchase agreement. Um, so I'd be curious to see how it shakes out. My specific thoughts on Bethesda, where I'm curious how it kind of shakes out is, you know, the joke is that Skyrim is on everything. How ubiquitous are Bethesda games when that's not the case? Was Skyrim the massive success it was because it was multi-platform and playable on anything and everything? And a lot of those ports happened later, um, but how big are these massive RPGs when they are, I think it was Jeff Gertzman wrote that op-ed slash Halo Infinite review about, you know, what's what's the point of a game review when just go play it because you have it, you know, see if you like it. Yeah. I'm curious how this big RPG lands, kind of as Anthony mentions, when it's really as much as anything else, a great game, hopefully, but as much as anything else, it's a reason to keep your Game Pass subscription. <laughs> yeah. And like, does that still have the same 
cultural impact as it otherwise would have if it was this big day and date, you know, you have to go buy this $70 game, play it on anything. You and I were texting Jeff a little bit about like the theater experience and how like, yes, Spider-Man, uh, and I'm not talking about that movie. There's no spoilers here for Spider-Man, trust me. But like that movie, yes, we're still in COVID, but it's a kind of right time, right place, pent up demand, theaters only. People really love this character and it be kind of came an event still mm-hmm. versus the biggest movie on streaming. It's you, like circle it all in the calendar, but it's easy to be like, well, it'll be there Tuesday also or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious to see that in gaming where it's, it's like, it's on game pass. Now you, you'll get to it. Or is it still, this is the thing. Take the week off. I don't know. I think, I think that's a good question for the game that would be Skyrim. I don't think that that question applies anymore to Bethesda. Right. Mm. Because I don't think Oblivion was Skyrim. Like Skyrim reached a level and maybe it was because of that multi-platform status. Maybe it was right place, right time. Whatever it was, Skyrim became the 800-pound gorilla. And now it's pulling the other direction, right? No longer does it need to be platform. Bethesda's name and the giant RPGs that Bethesda makes now will pull the the streaming platform. Now it's now it's a reason to get the streaming platform. It's not just, you know, it 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 is the 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 rocket that's soaring. It's not you don't need ubiquity to fuel anything. You have demand, right? Now it is one of the biggest names in games. It says something. It's it's <laughs> it's CD Projekt Red before Cyberpunk, right? Yeah. Uh, like Witcher Three benefited from whatever, whatever, whatever. But post Witcher Three, it was whatever CD Projekt Red does next is going to be a massive impact site, yeah. right? But well, Bethesda's name maintain that and i think the yeah. quality of the game is there. let's assume the quality of the game is there but does bethesda's name still mean that when it's an internal studio right like how homo- like some of these internal studios like oh it's a microsoft studios game and then it's like this is a bethesda game this still has well, the and i'm not arguing it, it won't see, but i'm it curious like, to see it seems like microsoft knows not to muddy the bethesda yeah. cachet well, you know so i i kind of look at it as skyrim what became such of a massive hit because it kind of felt like this open experience this you can do whatever you really want within this world what depending on when you jump into it and i think a good example for that that exists now is we compare everything to breath of the wild but breath of the wild mm. is a nintendo exclusive yeah. and so i think the impact of breath of the wild we're still feeling we're still playing these games and going oh man breath of the wild you know they got breath of the wild climbing mechanic or breath of the wild this or that mm-hmm. um and so i think that's just what we're gonna experience is bethesda's impact not in terms of sales but the influence or potential influence that they might have in terms of their designs because yeah I think if Skyrim was exclusive, we would have just been saying more games were like Skyrim, but now nobody wanted to challenge Skyrim because Skyrim was available everywhere. Um, so I think we'll just get more um, Skyrim or Starfield or whatever ripoffs uh, or mm. copycats or what what have you. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. It's, it's a Titanic earth shattering 
acquisition, yeah. a seven point five billion dollars uh, Microsoft spent. Jump and that's not even for them, but yeah, but, that's not even talking about the tech side of the purchase. Um, sure. That those engines and that knowledge of things that drove games like Wolf, like there's the IP and the talent, and then there's all of the tech, all the id tech. Well, you know, we were talking about upside of uh, all these acquisitions. I think you can a clear one you can point to that that played out in 2021 is Sony being able to share tech and and be able to put out PC ports. Right, these yeah. Sony exclusives are being ported to PC. I think. Because a lot of that tech behind the scenes under the hood is shareable and, and there's, there's this knowledge base where they can go, yeah, you, you know, basically the same engine that was used on Horizon Zero Dawn is used on, um, you know, no comment. <laughs> Death Stranding. Death <laughs> well, Stranding. You know, well, like well, I think Death Stranding. <laughs> another thing we saw play out, which was uh, I was lucky enough to talk to Tim Schafer before Psychonauts 2 came out. And I said, Well, what did the Microsoft purchase do for you? And he said, uh, We were about to take out all the boss fights mm. and they bought us and we were able to put all the boss fights back in. We were able to do more. And I think that game has awesome boss fights. So I think, yeah. you know, just the freedom of having yourself bankrolled by a massive company whether it's Sony or whoever, uh, Microsoft being able to say, look, we want to respect your vision and we're not too worried about sales as much because we have this and we have that that helps supplement that, um, their yeah. financial stream. And so I think that's a positive, being able to know that uh, purchasing Housemark means that we're going to get more things like Returnal and, and different video games that are not just exist in a specific space. And then at the same time, like Insomniac being purchased and being able to, you know, make a Wolverine game and, and make these kind of big, big, massive yeah. experiences uh, and not have to worry about uh, going out there and getting the rights. Sony can just say, well, yeah, we'll do that for you. Right. Yeah. And it's all, you know, obviously boss fights are expensive because, you know, bosses paychecks are way higher. It's you know? true. We just lower executive salaries. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, we can move on pretty quickly, but there are a few other, I'm curious if you guys have any big stories from 2021 that you want to bring up, but there's a couple I'll throw out here that we don't have to go into too much detail on, but I think are worth mentioning at the end of the year. Uh, the uh, No Switch Pro, I think, is a pretty big one. Like everyone assumed 2021 was going to have the Switch Pro. Uh, yeah. We got a new Switch, the OLED Switch, but you know, not the Switch Pro. Uh, it's a yeah. pretty pretty big deal. Um, the uh uh what was the other one that i had uh oh uh the the fact that <laughs> google stadia isn't anymore you know basically closing down all their internal studios before uh, any of their you know, first party games were released uh you know shuffling off jade raymond to her next job yeah, uh leave, leave me alone on twitter stadia fans okay give up <laughs> That's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty big thing. I think the last couple of years, Christian, we were, you know, we, we originally were pretty bullish on Stadia. Uh, you know, we, we are big fans, uh, you in particular, of the of the streaming future and seeding, Google seeding that to folks like NVIDIA or, or Microsoft, uh, I think is a pretty big story from 2021. Yeah, I mean, as a founder of Stadia, yes. I am. Yeah, but we both <laughs> yeah, are. I was, yeah. yeah, I was that, miffed as well. Yeah. We weren't oh, called. Yeah, the three of us should have been well, on that. Google, Google made me a founder. 
<laughs> um, it, it is, I think it is a big story because I do think there's still a lot of promise in the cloud. One of the stories that, um, you know, I can loop in right here that I think was a big one for 2021 as well, especially looking back, you know, years later at it is cloud gaming hitting everything. And that it's like hit iOS in a big way, like xCloud came to iOS. And yes, it's kind of a Safari workaround, but it's also rolling out to LG TVs and Microsoft consoles. You know, you can stream the cloud from the console and that spreading, I think, shows life in that idea. And then the other side of the coin, of course, is Google doing what everybody said Google was going to do. And I tried to think that they wouldn't this time because they I had know. talent behind it. <laughs> we but both, where Peter we both goes, say, well, they're not going to do it this time. And then they did it. There is a certain video game executive with the wonderful track record of the thing being great after they leave. And I just didn't see it at the time at stadia that we were in the, <laughs> before they leave um, part of that person's tenure. <laughs> and, and he's still there. Um, yeah. I, it still works so well. That's the frustrating part about it. Um, does it though? It does. It, it yeah. really does. GeForce Now is still my fa- is, is my favorite, but it it, it really does. I mean, um, but yeah, but I mean, you live in an area where you get access to blazing fast internet. Yes, and I also happen to own an Xbox Series X and a PS5. Yes, there are caveats to you know Gen Tech or whatever, but yeah, I think it's a big story. That it, let me rephrase. I think it's a big story. Everybody else is like, no, it's not. I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, this is obvious. Yeah. But we were like, maybe not this time. Yeah. Fool me once. Won't get fooled again. Whatever. Okay. I'm hoping that they turn. I mean, the Google Pixel 6 is finally a good pixel. You know, like <laughs> that's, that's the only like North Star of like Google put out kind of crap their own hardware for a long time. And then this year they were like, but what if we tried? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that is the uh, the year that was 2021, uh, unless there's any other big stories that you guys wanted to mention. Uh, I am chagrined how many of the big stories of 2021 are negative. <laughs> yeah. I have two quickies. Yeah. Two okay. quickies. Uh, one, again, these are big stories for happening now, potentially looking back to like this is when the flag was planted. Yeah. One, Netflix becoming the Netflix of games. I think yeah. there is a yeah. world in which we look back at that and think, I mean, Night School Studio, that's not their only acquisition, right? Like you don't, and who they just hire? They hired someone away just recently to like head up their games division. Like, and it's available now. It's kind of a, a weird workaround, but you can play kind of like Apple Arcade, free games. Yeah. Mobile with your only. They're only for mobile, but yes. Currently mobile only, but that's big. Yeah, and everybody was asking who's going to make be the Netflix of games, and Netflix was like, <clears throat> "We are," <laughs> yeah. you know. And they said, "Golly, probably seven years ago, no, not that long ago, COVID is two, four years ago, that their competition was Fortnite." You know, like they yeah. had an earnings call, and it's like it's not Paramount Plus or whatever these other things are going to be. It's going to be, it's Fortnite, and so I think they're putting their uh, whatever where their whatever is, whatever that saying is. The other one that I hope isn't, but could be. I've been wrong before. Cough, Stadia, cough, Stadia. Um, this is the first year we've seen gaming go into NFTs. And I yes, think there's a you know, chance that right. we look back at that and go, 
Ubisoft was right. And I have to do a bumper of Ubisoft was right and Christian's so sad. Ubisoft was right. No, you're right. I, I, it's actually a, a massive oversight that I didn't even bring that up as, as one of the big stories. You're, you, are, you are absolutely right. This could be Wait, very Christian much has the right? potential to be the yeah. starting point of a, a, a titanic paradigm shift in video games. Right. It crashes into or, an iceberg. This causes video games yeah. to crash into an iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Or it fizzles out and is this tech that we all kind of laugh at and everybody's like, you know, it was, you know, whatever the web 2.0 equivalent is that nobody cares about anymore. You know, it, 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 really, it's hard to know sitting in this spot here at the end of 2021. It's hard to know. It could genuinely go either way. Right. It could totally become a thing. And the blockchain could rule every facet of our digital lives, yeah. as many predict. Uh, or it could it could face this overwhelming backlash that we've seen uh, pop up. And yet, you know, I am reminded a, a backlash is temporary. I am reminded of numerous backlashes I have seen over my years doing this, covering the video game industry. You know, f- for example, I'm old enough to remember the backlash when they took the dial-up modem out of the original Xbox. You could not get 56K or 56 baud modem, you know? Uh, it was destroying everything. Well, we hate it. Broadband only, but we can't only get broadband in a small fraction of places on the planet. Well, that backlash fizzled and it didn't matter. Uh, the backlash that kind of crippled the Xbox One, where people said, online all the time? No, I say the nay. Uh, and now, of course, we see, you know, that's, that's no one cares. It's, it, it, well, totally- I mean, to be fair, that manifested change. The sure. backlash to the Xbox One basically shifted the balance of power back over to Sony. It manifested change, but it just delayed the inevitable, right? True. But I think there's there's something to be said for the ability to use the internet now to make your voice heard and get thing you know stalker for example stalker 2 trying to explain nfts and enough people said no 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 this is not yeah. good and they said oh never mind um you know i think that that is a good thing similar to uh any other situation you know like uh halo infinite released in beta on game pass and the multiplayer and everyone said this is not what we want and they're like yeah. oh okay um and how quickly they have responded to it uh, is is certainly something that I don't think we would have seen in the past. In the past, there wouldn't be enough of a kind of backlash to be able to kind of ignore. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope that every time an NFT project comes up, somebody will say no. And then enough people will say also no. And then they'll just, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the, the hard Which, part with it right now is that no one can seem to explain it. You mentioned the stalker one and Ubisoft too. Like Ubisoft came out and said like, now another statement where they're like, well, this is just the beginning. And here's how we think it's going to be transformative. But then if you read the terms of service of what the Ubisoft NFT, it's like you, you have ownership in the Ubisoft, Ubisoft term of service. I'm, summarizing here but it's basically like no you don't you don't own this this is a license for a thing yeah. held digitally that we can revoke at any time and it's like <laughs> yeah i agree yeah it's it it's i think the next year is going to be really interesting it's going to define a lot of what nft is is or isn't going to be specifically in the gaming space right because it's clear nft is going to be something in the digital space right people are calling it web three it's it's a, it's going to be a massive part of internet culture. 
Is it going to permeate the video game space? I think probably. Uh, is it going to be widespread, mainstream, and ubiquitous? That remains unclear. Um, I'm minting this episode right now, though, if anybody wants it. So, sweet. you know, you can sweet. own it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, right now it, 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 it is uh, it's unclear. Uh, I, I, am, I, I don't know what to think about it right now. I think there are some really interesting possibilities. I, you know, I, I listen to people like Kevin Rose and, and stuff, and, I, and I'm persuaded. I, I hear them, their enthusiasm for this technology, and I go, oh, that really could actually be super cool. Uh, and then I see some of the implementations of it in the, in the real world. And I'm like, oh, no, this is just hucksters and charlatans who are, <laughs> who are <laughs> using this right now. It's, it, it, is, it is for chumps, you know, that's like trying to separate a fool from his money. Uh, so I don't, you know, it really does feel like a fork in the road at this point. <laughs> who knows where it's going to go? But you're absolutely right to bring it up as a big story of 2021 because we're just on the cusp of it, um, you know, either turning into something or fizzling, I think. All right. Well, let's get to our, our list. But, but first, I want to thank our sponsor, NFTs. No, I'm kidding. Uh, our sponsor <laughs> is Truebill. Uh, Truebill, how many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars long after you forget to cancel them? Ooh, that grinds my gears when that happens. Fight back against scammy subscriptions with Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in a single tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. I don't think that's each. I think that's cumulative. Maybe that was already clear. <laughs> like like uh, one user, Matthew B. said, uh, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 uh, for the year on my Sirius XM bill, saved $840 a year on car insurance. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash DLC. Go right now, Truebill.com slash DLC. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill, T-R-U-E. B-I-L-L dot com slash D-L-C. DLC's Games of the Year. DLC's Games Wait, Christian won't like that. Uh... DLC's personal favorite Games of the Year. Based on an incomplete sampling. Based on an incomplete sampling, it's time to start talking about our personal favorite games of the year. We will count down our top fives, starting at number five, moving to number one. These are games in order, games we have played, we have loved in the calendar year 2021. Anthony Taormina, you are up first, my friend. Your number five personal favorite game of the year. My number five personal favorite game of the year is Returnal. 
Returnal, I, the aforementioned Housemark. Yes. Uh, coming strong with the PS5 exclusive. Uh-huh. Beautiful looking game. A uh, a roguelike uh, that yes. got a lot of people excited. Uh, tell me why you put it as number five. Uh, well, I'm sort of take it or leave it on roguelikes. It depends on their implementation specifically of progression. Uh, how they kind of give me that feeling of, okay, well, I, I did fail here. I did die, but it was not all for naught. Um, and I think Returnal does a good thing. You know, the kind of portals that jumpy forward, the using the guns and, and upgrading them so that when you find them later, they're stronger. Um, there's also kind of a, a key, uh, sort of chap i don't i don't know what the best way to describe it is but it's divided in such that you don't really have to go through the whole game again if you want to get an ending um and i i love that implementation i loved the way that i always felt i was making some progress and then it's just such a fun game i really really enjoyed the the dash mechanic is so cool the visuals are just the neon mixed with the real dark kind of black ooze tones um it has a story to it. There's something to follow. So it isn't just uh, about getting to an ending just to get to an ending. You're actually like working towards a literal narrative ending. Um, it It is kind of a, one of the better games to use the dual sense controller, I think in terms of the vibration yeah. and the adaptive triggers. Yeah. Those um, triggers, man, the way you, you have the alt fire on, on weapons. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, agree. I, I really was surprised how much I loved returnal. Um, it, it, it is, uh, it didn't make my top five, but it is, uh, it is a game I really enjoyed a lot. And, and, um, one, you know, it's not the type of game that I, I tend to love it. It, it. it did a really cool job of kind of mixing third person action shooter with bullet hell shooter, uh, yeah. in, in a really clever way that I've never really seen anybody do before. And just the feel of shooting in that game is very satisfying. Yeah. I, 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 Outside of there's one sort of area and enemy type that I just was not a fan of. I think as most people, it's more like a jellyfish type of enemy. Mm. Uh, that's just a pain in the butt. Uh, but out, yeah, outside of that, it, it just was fun. Even after I beat it, just going back in and, and messing around with those mechanics. Um, and that's very rare for me in roguelikes. Usually when I finish it, kind of like... Uh, Hades, you know, when you finished Hades, you're like, I want to do it again. And then you come to find out there's a lot of reasons to, to complete it again, but it's rare for me to want to play more of it. And Returnal, I just kept coming back to just to get in there and try the different guns and discover, oh, wow, this gun is amazing. And I never used it once. Uh, you know, I always traded it for this one or that one. Um, and, and to find all that, those little secrets and, and yeah. There, get the there's a like a true ending there's a lot of reasons to go back to it and i really really enjoyed my time with reasons it. to returnal returnal yeah uh that's excellent choice for number five for anthony taramino returnal christian spicer your number five personal favorite game of the year i will just say that uh this is probably my least controversial list Oh, I thought you were going to say this is your least controversial choice. And I was like, we're going to have to deal with four of these. <laughs> no, my least controversial like, a shoe. Of it's a shoe. I'm like, what? you can't put a shoe on your list. No, it's a great shoe. I love playing those, it. Those Xbox 20th anniversary <laughs> shoes are pretty good. If those Guardians of the Galaxy shoes had come out this year, supply chain. Um, 
least controversial list. So I'm going to say, I'm not trying to shoehorn a sixth game in here. I'm going to explain uh, come on. why this is my number five. My number oh. five favorite game of the year in 2021 is Halo Infinite. It just edged out Deathloop. That was the, of my list. These were the two that I kept wrestling with back and forth, back and forth. And I mentioned, I think it was on last week's show, that I had solidified my list two weeks ago, or you know, a week, two weeks from now, a week before that show. And part of the reason why is I found myself, like Anthony described for Returnal, wanting to go back to Halo. The core, Jeff, we talked about it on the show, numerous episodes. We have to go back. That's my my Master Chief impression. What are we going to do? Give me a gun. Anything more than that? You were just killed once, Chief. You had Uh, so many guns. You're only one one. man. I'm more than enough. Oh, okay. (laughs) But you die an awful lot. I like how, like, I, I like playing out in my head the times that I die from like just the dumbest, dumbest thing that happened. And then the, the, you know, the enemies are like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. He, he died. And and I'm like, this is how the story of the great master chief ends in, in one timeline, you know, <laughs> the grunt got him. Yeah. All yeah, it's so, all yeah it's so funny. Oh, we did it. Yay. Um, but I found myself wanting to go back. The grapple shot is so fun and so rewarding. I've done everything there. Like I have all the FOBs. I haven't unlocked all the multiplayer armor because like I don't even care about that. But I love that 30 seconds of fun in the shooting. And Deathloop, the end didn't blow me away. I don't want to like get spoilery, um, but I felt like I had seen it. And it wasn't super rewarding. The Domino's pizza, super rewarding. Um, And then I think it is just kind of my natural reaction to roguelikes. I've yet to find one that quite fixes it. You mentioned for Returnal how it worked for you, Anthony, in a lot of ways. I think Deathloop solved a lot of those for me that every time I died, I still learned something and, and came back with something. But doing the Domino's was very difficult for me and i found that a grind more so than rewarding and halo was just such a video game i guess <laughs> like it's like i could go have fun over in the sandbox and it was like you yeah. want to beat it and i'm like yeah i do want to beat it it's constantly fun halo infinite it is just constantly, constantly fun. fun yeah and it'd be much it's crazy how, list. how much the grapple shot you're like yeah grappling hooks are in lots of games and you're like man this is actually game changing for halo it's well, they incredible. nailed the feel of it. It feels good. It feels really right. Like that acceleration, it just, it just feels really right. And all the feedback of where you can hit it and how you can hit it and how far away you can be when you hit it. And like it, when you miss it, how it feels when you miss it. It's like all of it feels right. Yeah. And I, I don't discount how difficult that must have been to get yeah. that just right. Well, usually in Halo, you know, if you're if you're in a gunfight and you're just you know, your shields popped. You're like, well, I guess I'm dead. But now you have like four tools. Yeah. That potentially could save you, which is. Yeah. yeah or I one think- tool that I never option out of. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, but- if there's an invisible guy, okay, I'll do the sensor. Oh, really? But I don't want I, I to. Always, I always, you know, would pop down the sensor first and then switch to the, the dash and then grappling hook. Oh. 
The, Even if there's an I invisible say, guy, I just grapple into the void a few okay, times until right. I hit him, the, you know? The D-pad selection process of those uh, alternate uh, objects or items, whatever, not intuitive. Uh, it took me what? so long to, like, teach myself, okay, <laughs> it's two taps right. Right, right, grapple tap, hook. Oh, I hate that. I hate it. It's like it, it, there's a way to make that much more intuitive, and that's not yeah. it. Yeah, anyway. It, Halo Infinite would be, and as a Venerable Hero mentioned in the chat, also the explosive canisters. I think it solved yeah. a lot of other Halo knit where I was talking to a friend uh, before about like just great feeling first person shooting. And, you know, the alien weapons aren't always the most fun to have, uh, but sometimes you have to pick them up because you've run out of your other thing. Like this kind of the Halo dance. But here it's like, oh, do I really have to pick up this plasma? I don't have to pick up that plasma rifle. Grapple shot me an explodey barrel, you know, like I'm Donkey Kong, right? I'm just sitting there Donkey Konging barrels at all these enemies. And it's incredible. I think had the game launched with co-op, like the way I envisioned co-op working for that game and me caring about the story. uh, Jeff, I still want to do that. Literally at all. Yeah. At at all. I think it probably would have been the very top of my list. Um, But the, even with those big personal nits, it is such a triumph of a game. And I haven't even talked about the multiplayer. It didn't stick for me, but I still probably put 30 hours into it, which is like a whole other game. Yeah. It's an incredible package. And and the real game of the year is Game Pass, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Halo Infinite is easily, I mean, it was hard for me mentally to do that gymnastics, uh, as I thought through it, the more I kind of keep coming back to it, Halo 5 is easily a, a favorite game of the year this year. Yeah, super fun game. Super fun game. I, uh, I would just like to point out that, Christian, you prefaced this by saying you were going to introduce the least controversial list, and then you talked about two games in one spot. No, yeah. that's what I said. No, I stop it, Anthony. But that's you, exactly you what I said. said I am not, not... But you talked about Deathloop. You didn't say Deathloop didn't make it, and then yeah. at the end... No, you you're right. He, he explained all the things that were great about Deathloop. The, it, but it's no, still I the least it. controversial no, list I'm because gonna... it's the mm-hmm. it's the least mm-hmm. bad version of him doing this. It's still... No, it, I'm not going to take... I, other years <laughs> I take this criticism. This is called discussing mm-hmm. reasons for selections and it's valid yeah. and valuable. I could just sit here and read my list and that's a boring expletive show. Mm-hmm. I'm justifying why decisions yeah. were made He's, and explaining he, why something didn't make my list. Number you guys six was Ratchet and Clank. The lawyer. <laughs> you guys, the lawyer, the lawyer again works, works the edges of butt. the of the system. You know what I'm saying? That's what Christian my does. My butt. Okay, my number Jeff, five. What's game. your number five? My game, number five game. This is gonna sure. go, this is gonna be a four hour podcast. The my <laughs> number five game, almost higher on my list. Hard hard for me not to find it higher on the list. But I would hasten to remind folks: we are already halfway through most other people's lists. Just doing five. So number five, five Guardians of the Galaxy. This mm. game, this game is phenomenal. It's so much fun. I didn't. I, I thought about it when I wasn't playing it. I loved how it felt like I was inside this story with pe- with people that I like already from other versions of them in other mediums, and the 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 way they're constantly interacting with me. It never feels like a lonely single player game. It feels like a game where I'm just constantly around fun, funny, clever people. The writing is great. And the visuals are spectacular. One of the best looking games of the year. In the probably top two or three best looking, best designed, as far as visual design elements, 
uh, games of the year. I thought the combat was really fun. I know a lot of people had problems with the combat. I really liked the combat. I always always enjoyed when I would get into those arenas and have a fight. Uh, and I cared about the story in a video game, which is very rare uh, these days. Um, I, there's very little to not like uh, about it. I think it, it slightly overstays its welcome. Like it's a, it's a long game. There's a lot there. I think it could have been trimmed a bit. There's a few things where it's like, nah, we didn't need to spend that much time doing that. Some dream sequences. I'm like, nah, but overall phenomenal. I, I didn't give this game a shot in hell to make my top five when it was first announced. Uh, so I think probably my uh, surprise at how great it was also contributes. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, my fifth best game of the year. And I think, you know, e- easily, easily earns that spot. All right. Yeah, talk about from reveal to year discussing. Yeah. Like it was like E3 or whenever that was shown. Yeah. I, I feel like none of us were chomping at that bit. And I feel like all I've done is tell friends to like when Best Buy cut it to 20 bucks or whatever it was, I was like, playing santa claus and just buying it like you trust me (laughs) it's so good it's so good so good uh anthony we are at number four number four on your list what is it death loop which christian has already talked about so i have no idea where it would be on (laughs) christian's list uh, if there were more numbers, but we'll, maybe we'll just have to imagine it's, where it might have been. It's not on my list, and I explained <laughs> why it didn't make it. it was I'm going to explain why 14 other games didn't make my list. I didn't do that. I explained that this was the <laughs> only time that the people the games were close, and I explained uh-huh. why one. Anthony, why did you like it as your number four game, and why is Jeff a dumb dumb dumb? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, don't get mad at Jeff. I did bring it up. It's my fault. I still You're the guest, it. Anthony. You can do okay. no wrong. Jeff booked you. It's all, all right. Jeff's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, basically for a lot of the reasons that it narrowly missed for you, I really enjoyed setting up those dominoes, much like I talked about Returnal and uh, roguelikes and the sense of progression. I always liked just jumping into a loop and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything towards completing this loop or any of the work that's uh, going to get Colt out of this. I just want to find some cool weapons. So I would go to different areas and look for cool weapons, or I'm just going to go and take out this boss a bunch because you get their powers. They're like, you know, arcane style powers. And if you take them out multiple times, you get upgrades for those powers. And I, I felt like I should have the upgraded versions of all of them. And, and the ones I liked, I wanted to get different kind of uh, strings to them. So for example, like your dash, uh, you know, being able to dash longer or uh, dash in midair, things like that. Um, or your teleport blink, what have you. Um, so I really just enjoyed that experience of jumping in and deciding what I wanted to do within that specific loop. And then I will agree, once you get to the final, like put every domino in front of each other and knock them down, it's a little disappointing. I won't say why for spoiler purposes, but I had so much fun getting to that point, and that point is relatively quick and towards the near the end of the game that um I just I had a blast. Uh it was it was so fun to just be able to sit down and go, okay, I'm just gonna do one loop. What do I want to do? Okay, I wanna like unlock this character's ability or unlock this character's uh you know information so I know how I'm gonna be able to take them out in in the future loop. Uh and I just yeah, it's such a fun game. And I love the arcane games. It's also wish, very pretty. It's another yes. 
this gen exclusive and it it wears it it wears it well it's very pretty and i th- i think the juliana mechanic is really really neat uh when implemented well there are times when it's just uh, it drove me insane but uh when i was able to manage it i i thought it was really cool and i wish more games would do something like that and i yeah number four yeah uh i think that's a great pick I, it's not a game that i could ever seem to click with uh as much as as others I, I i played a fair amount of it and enjoyed it to a certain extent and i think i talked about my struggles with that game there's something about it feels claustrophobic to me in weird ways i don't like how much i'm in menus i don't think the menus are well designed it, it just never i never felt comfortable in that game world uh and, and it, it kind of just made me every time i turned it on it felt like it was a chore i was like i have to play this because people love it so much i want to give it just never clicked with it uh, and that's, you know, that's more about me than it is the game, but I'm glad other people love it. I wish I knew whether Christian wanted it on his list or not, but we'll never know. Christian, what's your number four? I didn't want it on my list, which is why it wasn't on my list, Jeff. Mm, if you want to mm, keep mm, beating a dead horse, you can go back and play Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, <laughs> you said a bunch of horses. Mom and dad are fighting again. Yep. My number four game, before I get to that, it was almost number eight for me. Like it was <laughs> my number four game is a game that came out early in the year. And uh, I hope more people are talking about it now at the end of the year and maybe picking it up cheap. Uh, and it's Hitman 3. Hitman mm. 3 was a game that I thought brought a wonderful narrative close to this current IO trilogy and i thought brought the game to a new audience in a big way i think it came out at the right time you know we talk about how there are too many games and it's hard to find that release window and i think hitman 3 managed to find that release window that worked for a lot of people of course covid continuing was you know (laughs) uh problematic for other games uh jeff being right and them on being delayed and i think what it did with its second mission that knives out mission i think brought a lot of people it allowed like you jeff yeah. and i think others to see the game kind of what it is instead of it's a assassination game but it plays a little weird and it's like well yeah. it's a throw a banana at a person game while you're wearing a chicken outfit <laughs> you know yeah and i love that it's still getting continued support um and it was fun playing the spawn on me missions and like seeing you know those partnerships that they did to keep the game alive and now the big content coming this year um and again narratively i think is a big part of it too like the fact that it re- put a bow on that story in a satisfying way was was really fun to see and often doesn't happen it's a challenge to put a bow on james bond or to you know put a bow on this mission impossible and um i thought io managed to do it it was really good yeah yeah i mean it's the it's the hitman game that finally made me understand why people like hitman games uh so there's that i i I do think you know it came out the beginning of the year probably hurts it a bit for lists like this at the end of the year uh, so I'm really glad that you, uh, you know, you, you remembered it and put it on. It's a, it's a pretty great game. Another really beautiful game too. Um, really, really beautiful game. Uh, Hitman three is, is Christian Spicer's number four. My number four is one that I'm very certain is on nobody else's list. Uh, but it should be. And it's Lone Echo two, Lone Echo two, the VR exclusive game, uh, that, 
is the sequel to my game of the year, my number one game, uh, a personal favorite game of that year. Uh, it came out, what, two or three years ago. Uh, and I think the biggest criticism I've seen for people uh, about uh, Lone Echo 2 is that it's more of the same. And I'm like, yeah, more of the same brilliant <laughs> game. That's what I wanted. Uh, has one of the most fully realized, incredible virtual companions i say virtual not because it's in vr but it is but it, but because you you know this this fictional character that you hang out with uh, in the game world and it feels like a real person you're so close to her and you see the the fine details of her her face her eyes look at you and follow you around the room as you're floating weightlessly in zero gravity uh, and you interact with her you are the the artificial intelligence she is a person and the fact that they have managed to, uh, uh, that Ready at Dawn managed to create uh, such a fully realized human being in that in that game is extraordinary. And and I love the fact. I mean, this is the one where you get kind of a gun. Uh, the first one you didn't really have a gun, and it's a bit of a bummer that the the game resorts to that. But it's still almost entirely nonviolent. You're not murdering people. Uh, you're exploring, you're problem solving, you're getting yourself into these pulse pounding situations. It's got a really interesting story. And the movement, the locomotion in that zero gravity environment is just so pleasurable, so satisfying, so interesting, so different than any other game ever made. There's nothing like it. And it could only happen in VR. Uh, so Lone Echo 2 is my number four game of the year. Here's my question for you, Jeff. I know that we have PSVR 2 coming at some point, mm-hmm. but do you think Lone Echo 2 is the last PC, big PC VR exclusive as we go? And I think ARM headsets can be as powerful as whatever, but like this PC dependent VR exclusive? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, that's one of the reasons I put it on my list is because I feel like it is... You know, until maybe PSVR 2, I, I hope PS, uh, PSVR 2, I think I, it has the potential of being a real shot in the arm. And, and hopefully Apple's rumored VR headsets come to fruition as well uh, and really, you know, propel VR into that next place too. But until that time, I think we are seeing the industry shift over into this Oculus Quest world where everything is, is at lower fidelity and what you see with Lone Echo 2 is an utterly gorgeously realized virtual world. It is, yeah, it's 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 one of the last games that's really going to show what's possible right now in VR about how uh, photorealistic it can feel to be inside those game worlds instead of these abstracted, more cartoonish uh, versions that are that are made for you know standalone headsets. So yeah, it does feel almost like a, a dying breed. Hopefully, Valve continues to make VR. You know, uh, Half-Life 2, or excuse me, Half-Life Alex, um, is another great example of how gorgeous video games can be in VR right now. But yeah, you re- it requires a beefy computer and a, and a headset tethered to it. So not ideal. But Lone Echo 2, I mean, it, being inside the space station that you're on in that game feels like you really are there. It's amazing. So yeah, Christian, very much so. All right, we are up to number three on our list Anthony Taramina, what is your number three personal favorite game of the year? My number three is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah um, I, 
look, I know that the marketing was not great, but Guardians uh, next to Nova, who hopefully shows up in a sequel, uh, <laughs> is, is my favorite comic book property within like the DC Marvel, like the big ones. Yeah. Um, so I was really, really looking forward to this game also because there were so few narrative driven games coming out towards the end of this year. I, I love me some just story, sit down, pick up where you left off, experience a story. Um, and so I really just enjoyed being in this world, seeing these characters that I enjoy in different mediums interpreted for this game it reminded me of mass effect in that you go back to the ship and you just, I wanted to talk to everybody. I wanted to, you know, trigger those conversations where you find the items. And yeah. uh, sometimes I would be like, did I, did I, uh, let me just go talk to everybody again. Just one, one more time. Just make sure that everybody, you know, let me talk to the llama. What's the llama? Go away, Quill. Go uh, away. We're done talking. But yeah, the, the visuals, it was such a joy to go to each level and, and see what kind of color palette they were using and what they would choose to do in terms of the framing device. I think it starts so strong with just these bright, bright colors and this really se- impressive sense of scale. Um, I did enjoy the combat. I think it's a clever way to uh, incorporate this idea of you are a like group leader yeah. um, in terms of like, using the different abilities. Um, it did, it did take me a while to get adjusted to it, but once I did it, it was super satisfying to use the ones that stagger and then do use the ones that do damage and kind of take out, uh, manage the threats based on how, how much health they had or what have you. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed going through the whole game. I, wish it was longer, you know, counter Mm -hmm. to you, Jeff, I just, I would, I would spend forever because it was, there was surprises 10 plus hours in where you're like, what, what, who are we seeing now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, it was, it was such a pleasure. I hope they get to make another one. Awesome. Yeah. I concur. Obviously, uh, guardians of the galaxy is such a great, great game. It's Anthony Taramino's number three, Christian Spicer, your number three game of the year or favorite. Um, it's hard because it wrecked me. It's hard to say this is a favorite. It is a favorite, but it wrecked wrecked me and continues to wreck me. And it's before your eyes, mm. which is a you know indie game um, published by Skybound and made by a new team that came out of school with this kind of tech demo that they they shopped around and then were able to build out into a larger game. It is a game you control just by blinking. And it tells the story of someone's life. And the narrative really connected with me as someone who comes from a family of artists. My grandfather made his living as an impressionist painter. And um, seeing him have, you know, hearing the other career he gave up before I was born to pursue that and to see that. And then what it meant for his kids and the struggle, the lives that they led because of what he was going through. And then uh, my career in Los Angeles and all the friends I have along the way there, you know, you kind of create this community and seeing a game that I felt like really talked to that really hit home for me. And the eye blink mechanic, I think was fascinating and something that it worked really, really well for me, um, on my computer. And it, felt like such a, a, a game progression mechanic that really challenged what I think a lot of gamers think of as gaming. It, it 
you know, a lot of the critiques I read about the game were like, I, I didn't get to hear the best conversations because I blinked or I'd blink three times and I'd just skip way ahead and that stinks. I'd, and like that, to me, I feel like that's the point. Like the yeah. experience is, and it's not trying to hold your eyes open, like I must see every dialogue branch they wrote for this game. It's what is this game and how does it impact you? And what does missing something mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that game had a way of, making miss something feel special or making you feel yes. sad because of it. And that was the point mm-hmm. and it didn't overstay. It's welcome. I think it's best played in one sitting and it is a game that has stuck with me from go, you know, from the moment I sat down to play it and I hope more games continue. There are plenty out there, but I love seeing games that push and use the medium in interesting ways to truly make us feel because I think that it's something that video games can do better than books or movies or TV shows because we are actively in control. I talk about Metal Gear Solid 4 all the time and what that microwave um, reactor scene was like of like you being uncomfortable pushing the button to make snake crawl. And this before your eyes was the same thing of, you know, you talk about VR, Jeff, and being transformative. And I truly think video games by making me be the person to open the door in Resident Evil makes it scarier than any horror game yeah i could be like tina don't open the door it's christian don't open the door well if you don't open the door the game's over and before your eyes was be this person's beautiful journey um yeah and 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 more people should play it linking it to a uh, an involuntary action a sometimes involuntary action or or an action that you could only not do for so long until it becomes physically painful i mean it is and the story's trying to make you do it as you're, as yeah. for me at least, I was getting teary eyed, like, oh no. <laughs> it's incredible. It's an incredible, as you said, it, it, the point is how you can't stop it, how you can't stop things from going by, that, that time marches on regardless of, of, of what we do about it. And, and I think it was a very beautiful, very powerful game for me as well. That's Before Your Eyes, and it is Christian Spicer's number three. My number three is. A game, not just a game, a genre that never makes my list. Never, ever makes my list. And here it is, a number three? Are you kidding me? Forza Horizon 5. I'm not a racing game guy. At least I wasn't until Forza Horizon 5. (laughs) And I know folks are like, it's not that different from the previous ones. Well, it was for me. Uh, It's the game that made me fall in love with this genre. Made me go, I don't need to be wrecking cars in order to enjoy racing games. Uh, I enjoy, I, it, I fell in love with the, the race. I, it's still over the top. It's still, you know, driving up and down the side of a volcano, uh, or through, a, you know, crazy storms or whatever it is. And I, I like that. I like the larger than life nature of it. Uh, I love the constant, constant reinforcement of every little thing I do is tracked and rated and rewarded that I'm earning points for literally every movement that I make inside a car in this game, uh, it feels positive and, and, and the progression seems uh, nonstop. And, and that is, it feels like my time is being valued when I play it. The game is utterly gorgeous. I play it on the super ultra ride monitor and I'm enveloped in this beautiful, beautiful world, this, this Mexican countryside and cityscape. Um, and and the, it's just fun. I'm having more fun playing that game than I've ever had playing a racing game that isn't called Burnout. Um, so 
I've been playing Burnout since uh, February 2020, so I'm looking forward. Yeah, you're right. I'm burned burnout. out. Yeah. Uh, so Forza oh. Horizon Five is my number three game of the year, and and I had to I had to put it that high just because it, it literally single handedly made me go. Maybe I could play a Need for Speed. Maybe I'd enjoy a Need for Speed. You know, it made me no, re re uh, reconsider the entire genre. It, it, it's a really fun game. Forza Horizon Five. That brings us to game number two on our list. Anthony Taormina, your number two favorite game of 2021. My number two favorite game of 2021 is Death's Door. Yes, very good game. Love me some uh, old school Zelda. And this game, you know, evokes similar feelings just in the the camera angle. But uh, the experience of going through these areas that are kind of sectioned off with little pathways and then more open areas, kind of uh, opening shortcuts and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Art style is amazing. Uh, You're playing a little crow that's like out looking for souls. Like it's such a cool concept. Um, The uh, way that it challenges you, the boss fights and, and kind of makes you learn patterns and, and, do different things that you weren't expecting to do for each area, giving you different abilities or uh, gadgets to use in the next area. Reminded me of Zelda. You know, you're, you're getting, getting tools that become almost essential, but then they also will help you go back and and unlock things that maybe will boost your health or um, uh, uh, other categories. I just, yeah, I wasn't, this game was not on my radar at all. And then it came out and I, oh you know i'll give it a try and then i was just enamored with it uh and i had such a great time with it and the only um thing that i kind of am am sad about is that uh it was over i wanted more (laughs) it it was it's it's not that short but it's relatively short Um, yeah and i had uh, yeah i really adore this game great game i had a hard time not finding a place for it on my list but yeah it's it's a it's a very good game death's door Anthony Tarmina's number two. Christian Spicer, what is your number two? We just talked about it. It's Forza Horizon 5. Um, playground games, they can do no wrong. That is, It's a franchise that they've made better every year by you know offering, quote-unquote, more of the same, but finding subtle and interesting tweaks, doing seasons in four, and kind of evaluating what worked well. For that, And I, I truly think it's kind of looking at three and then four and going, what if we didn't have to do seasons? People like beaches. Why don't you just do a location that has seasons? <laughs> you know, it's like you wanted to do a uh, tropical winter or spring. We have that. You want to do snow? We got a mountain. You want to do a beach? We got that. It's yeah. like, well, where is this place? It's called Mexico and it's beautiful. <laughs> just drop down gorgeous playing it on a series console. Um it feels fresh and revolutionary in a way that those load times are just so snappy to go into menus, fast travel between houses, something I didn't do much before in Forza Horizon games, because one, um, if we talked about on the show, just driving is so fun and everything is rewarding. It's like, oh, I may as well drive there because I'm going to discover 10 uh Epic Open World says seasons are still in the game. Not in the same way that they were in Forza Horizon 4, where it was this big thing. Now they're little challenges, Epic. Um, 
but the way that it rewards you for everything, like drifting, you know, driving, discovering roads. But with fast travel, now I can just zip over and go, I'm going to knock out these five races. And the series load times made that compelling. So I'm playing it in a way I never played before. And also just beautiful. I mean, absolutely beautiful. The, the perfect frame rate, stunning visuals and marrying. We talked about this for Guardians a little bit. Uh, when we talked about it on the show, it's another example of marrying sound to a game with a licensed score in such a wonderful way. And Guardians, when you would huddle and then you're like blowing people up to like uh, journey or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And Forza 2, the way they would duck it just right when you hit a jump and it kind of comes back or you into a race and it starts the revving of your engines is loud than whatever music you're playing, but then the music crescendos just right as you're racing a train. They nailed everything about it. And again, Game Pass is the real game of the year. Yeah. It's on truly. Game Pass. And yeah. hard not for me to play when I sit down, but like, yeah, I have a little bit to how am I already playing Forza? <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. Forza Horizon five. Christian Spicer's number two. My number two game very nearly my number one game uh, is a smaller game, but it is one of the truly most transcendent, incredible experiences I had playing any video game this year. It's called inscription and it's a card based game, but also kind of an escape room and also kind of this psychological horror game and all of these weird mashup ideas all jam-packed into one thing that's greater than the sum of its parts. It's unlike anything I've ever played. It, it borrows from a lot of cool things, but feels fresh and interesting and thrilling and compul. I was addicted to this game. Uh, surprising. I mean, talk about rewards for playing talk about a, a rewarding ending talk about middle of the game that's rewarding surprises and just kind of gobsmacking outside the box thinking there's nothing like inscription it is a work of genius i think uh it is so cool and such a great experience uh i i i just it took me by surprise as well it's just this unassuming kind of bland monochromatic looking thing that is a work of brilliance inscription with a c-r-y-p-t in the middle inscription like do not miss it (laughs) yeah i believe i believe as we're recording this it is on steam sale for like 15 bucks uh my number two game of the year and it, it would be on any list in any year it's really really cool very cool game inscription all right, fellas. This is it. This we're, is it. We're at number one. Number one. The Let's all say them at the same time. Just <laughs> that. No, no. <laughs> uh, the number one personal favorite game of the year for 2021. Anthony Tarmina. It's the Elden Ring Network Test. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I wouldn't put it past um, you. Uh, uh, that's true. I'm very excited. Anyway, uh, it takes two is my number one game. Um, in a year where Anthony, I'm just going to uh, say it's my number one game as well. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, um, it takes two. 
it's yeah it in a year where you know we're deprived of connection to be able to get together with a buddy or anybody but for me i played with a friend and just experience this game man joseph ferris you know he swings for the fences with all of his games he he goes out there and i think he really nailed a concept with it takes two going into each sort of biome or whatever you want to call it and introducing a mechanic for two different people to do that feels different for each person where you say, man, that seems awesome. You get to do this, but I don't feel like I'm deprived of something fun to do. Um, it is such a clever thing and, and being able to do that is very difficult. And it was just so much fun to just cooperate and troll each other and do all these things that, you know, you can do within this world and seek out collectibles. And then on top of that, there's all these mini games that are legit games. You know, some of them are familiar, simple games like whack-a-mole, but some of them are super advanced and we would just stop and say, okay, well, what's this? What do you, you know, which, which side do you want to be or whatever? And then we would end up losing an hour or two just yeah. doing that. And we we're like, okay, get back to the game. There's a tug um, of war game that is literally just mash a button until the other person stops. Yes. And which is like the stupidest thing. And then you start giggling with each other. Like, no, you stop. You, this is dumb. Why are we, my thumb hurts. No, you stop. Yeah. No, I'm not going to stop. You stop. And that, exactly. like, it's, it's just a brilliant, wacky fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm the, the only, um, sort of hang up that I maybe had with it was that, uh, the, his games, they require, a you know, or to truly enjoy them, you kind of have to sit down with a person and, and going online with somebody that you couldn't communicate with or whatever. You just wouldn't get the same feeling. Um, but if you have somebody that is, I don't know, medium level video game experience, whether it's a, a partner or a friend or a kid, sibling, whatever, um, it's just so fun. And it, I needed this game this year to be able to just like sit down and get together with my friend and just play that game and, and just laugh uncontrollably. I did a lot of that in a way out, but it was like a serious game. You know, you're trying to escape from prison. So me dropping us down the elevator shaft is funny, but like, you know, this it's like, no, I'm going to not, uh, you know, I'm going to not shoot the nail as you leap across and you're just going <laughs> to fall. And, and it felt more goofy and, and Pixar like in, in its tone that you yeah. didn't really feel as bad. Um, yes, I, I got nothing else to say. I really love this it, game. It, 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 I've been, I mean, surprising no one, I'm sure, that listens to this show regularly because I've been saying it was going to be my game of the year since it came out. And, I kept thinking, is there anything that could possibly beat this game? It turns out no. And I thought it was going to be this kind of crazy idea that It Takes Two would be my game of the year. And then all of a sudden the Game Awards happens and it's the game of the year in Game Awards. I was like, well, I'm glad about that. But also it feels like, well, now it's a little redundant. But I'm also I'm, I'm glad that you have it as number one, too. Breaks my heart a little bit that, Christian, you will not play it. it, it, it there is – it's not even close as far as the – level of pure joy i had in playing the game it's a really long game that changes up almost every 15 minutes into something completely different than what you had been doing the number of sheer ideas in this game alone is kind of mind-boggling how they constantly invent 
new things for you to do, new ways, a sort of look back, a retrospective on the entire history of video games. The, all Every genre you can imagine is represented in this one game. The game is gorgeous. I mean, visually spectacular. Uh, so clever. I had more occasions to say, oh my God, while playing this game than I have in, in a long time. I was just these jaw dropping. What are we even doing right now? This is incredible. And then as you said, Anthony, all of that happening with another human being, right? It's, it's yeah. this, this affirmation of how wonderful it can be to play together. And the fact that the game just says, no, I'm sorry, you need another person to play this. We're just not gonna let you. There's no way for us to simulate the experience. It really requires you to play with another person. And, and again, this game's on Game Pass too. There's no reason for anybody that has Game Pass to overlook what is a triumph, a triumph of game design, a triumph of pure fun and joy and beauty and cleverness. Uh, it Takes Two uh, is my my number one game of the year as well. Uh, just just a great game. All right. Well, if I were you, Jeff, this is the part of the show where I would say that I've been secretly playing it all year. Yeah. <laughs> but you but didn't. I, I'm not. I didn't. No. no. I, I love. That I tried, and then I, I accepted. You know, I respect your decisions for making it because there there are you know there there are legitimate reasons not to be interested in that subject matter. And it's based on an incomplete sampling, like you know, it's, it's yeah. whatever. But I love, I love how much I, I've loved hearing you talk about it on the show over the year, Jeff. Because I mean, it started off with like, yeah, Danish and I are playing this game, and it's it's fun. You know, I, I think we're about through it. And it's like, I think that was the first time you talked about it. Like, I think we're about yeah. through it. And you're like, we are nowhere near through it, and it just <laughs> turned left on us, and we don't know what to expect. I'm playing when we're done with the show. <laughs> and we had like, like three this. sessions. Where we're like, we're gonna finish tonight, right? And then it's like, oh no. And then you get to another a part where they're like, okay, you need to collect five of these things. And it's like, oh okay, five. <laughs> and then you collect the first one, and it takes six hours to you know whatever to collect the first one. You're like. We have five of these to get. It's this game. This game is massive, and then it keeps yeah. like throwing you into a new whole level that is like they built all of this for this tiny little. It's it's yeah. it's amazing. Like I f- I found one, and you're like, well, I found this little girl. I can push off this swing, and she just flies into nowhere. Now you get on the swing, and I'll push you. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, now yeah. Let me get on the swing. Now push me. Push me on the swing. Yeah. And it is the kind of game where you could spend hours. Like like you were saying, Anthony, you could spend hours just doing the tiny little mini games that have nothing to do with the awesome overall experience, the the you know mainline experience of the game, which is phenomenal. But then you get like stuck in these things, like okay, one more time, I I know I can beat you. One more time, let's do it. One more time, the stupid little mini game. I don't, I don't care. Let's just do it because I want to beat you. Ah, so it's just so brilliant, so so brilliant. But. Um. To peel back the curtain a little bit, I will say uh, about Anthony, this game and me 100 percenting Death's Door were probably the two things Anthony texted me the most about over the course <laughs> of the year. It was like, you got to go just 100 percent it. You love Death's Door. Keep playing it. OK, if you're not going to play that, you got to play. It takes two. It's on Game Pass now. You got to play it. And so that's uh, 
That's what a good friend looks like is someone who what is encourages you to experience what is, what? their joy. Is it a good oh, friend no. just ignores all those messages. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Anthony's a good friend. Oh, I didn't yeah. say I was a good oh, friend. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah. I do I did pester you to get off your no man's sky planet and whatnot. But yes, there there were there were moments in Death Sto- is that are you saying Death Story is your number one or no, he hasn't said what his number nine. I'll, I'll say my number oh. one. <laughs> So my number one game is Fortnite Chapter 3. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It is very good, though. My number one game is Metroid Dread, which I was the other game that I kept thinking about. Because we talked about it on this show of like when I got stuck on the final boss. Uh, Jeff, I think I said on this show, like, but for this experience, this would have been my favorite game of the year. I thought that's what was going to drop it out of the top five. I thought so too at the time. I kept beating my head against this thing. And then I learned what I was doing wrong. And I kind of had this aha moment that made it click. And there's a, um, I, so after I played it, I kept thinking about it and kept kind of going back to it and, and playing with the world and the mechanics. And then there's, I think it's a game makers toolkit video. Oof, I should have looked. I didn't know I was going to say this part, but as I kind of, kept it it lived in my head rent free after playing it i kept consuming secondary media about the game and that's how i know it like really had its metroid in me um and the way that it is designed speaks directly to me as a gamer where it's not as broad and big as hollow knight there aren't as many options for places to go at any given time it is a game it is a metroidvania that is built very similarly to portal two or portal a portal two is bigger, but it's like, there's kind of only one way to go. Like the game is heaven heavily corralling you to an area, but in the moment. And, and for me, I'd never felt that way. It, it's like that invisible hand pushing you somewhere. There are great videos that valve put out around left for dead of like, yes, this is a big forest but here's what we do to yeah, eventually there's a cliff here and there's a mountain here, but here's what we do to hopefully make sure you never get there. And it feels like you could go anywhere, but you're always going to go toward this exit. Cause we want you to go. And Metroid dread does that phenomenally of, I, I could go backtrack. I wonder if the next upgrade I'm going to get, Oh gosh, that's all in the other segment. I don't, well, there is this door right here. I guess I'll just check that one. Cause I'm here or I'll go left. I haven't gone left in a while. And the developers are like, gotcha. That's exactly where we wanted you to go, idiot. But you think it's your own free will. (laughs) And so because of that, I never had the moments that I've had in other Metroidvanias of feeling lost and feeling like I made a mistake and now I've lost an hour to backtrack and losing the joy of always discovering something and feeling like I'm sneaking into the next area. Um, and Metroid did that so well. And I, it's a character I love. I love Samus so much. I loved the prime games. I loved the remake on the 3ds and seeing this being a full throated, you know, continuation of Metroid, uh, narratively and then mechanically building on what they did on the 3ds is just a triumph of a game and something that, um, cemented all the things I like about video games in one beautiful package on my Nintendo switch. There you have it. Christian Spicer's number one personal favorite game of the year, Metroid dread. I guess Christian that makes our show's game of the year. I guess you have to go Forza horizon five, right? I mean, 
I feel bad because Anthony's been on all these shows, but his list never gets like factored in for it. Uh. <laughs> it's true. Well, normally I get to make the decision of what is your game. I think it. I think Forza is the answer. I mean, the only overlaps that we have in all five of our games are Forza and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Oh no, did Guardians made your list, right? No, it didn't. It Guardians. was number seven for Christian. Oh, no, Guardians God. isn't on my. I mean, to now jump ahead, I honestly thought. I have Guardians as my other games to mention, not on my next six through 10. Really? But I feel like we talked about it a lot on this show, but to me, it is an unsung hero. Like, I loved it. Don't get me mm. wrong. It did not make my top five. Five, as you mentioned, Jeff, is an extremely hard, hard. list to yes. make. A hard. lot of places, like, here's our top 20, and we're like, yeah. here's five. Have fun. Um, it's a phenomenal game, easily one of my favorites of the year. But I was going, and I guess I kind of am, mentioning it as one of my others to think. Because I think so many people miss it. I think that's why it was on sale for half price like the week after. And it is a game that anyone that likes that narrative third-person action-adventure game should experience. It is well, phenomenal. If only you'd put yeah. it on your top five, we could have made it our show's <laughs> game of the year. And then we could have been the champions of that that little engine the, that could. The combat held me back. The combat mm. is what held it back off my list. So, I, so the only game that, that – the only Venn diagram overlap we've got is Forza Horizon 5, right? Yeah, I'm surprised Halo wasn't on yours. It's uh, my number six. Because you really saying, oh, okay, it really is. Built. No, just kidding. If we're doing number <laughs> sixes, it's my number six. I, yeah, I I honestly think that it's pure fun, but it's kind of only pure fun for me, right? Like, I thought Guardians was pure fun. It was really fun also, but it, but it had a layer of, of story that I found compelling, of great writing that I found compelling, of sort of world that I found compelling. And I felt like, if Halo never literally was never a cutscene in that game at all ever, I would enjoy it the same amount <laughs> that, that I enjoy it. Right? It's like it added very, yeah. very little to the experience. So yeah, that, and Guardians had the, I think, one of the best Gamora stories ever told. She's had some yeah. great stories in comics, but the it Gamora had, I mean, story it had one is one of the best like video game versions of a character like crying for me, where it mm. was like. Yeah, you know, outside of like maybe Last of Us or something like that, where I was like, okay, I believe that this character or this actor is getting emotional. It, it, they did a great job with that. Yeah, I just found that I unlocked everything at like hour eight or everything that I was going to use, and then the combat felt rote. Like Anthony, you mentioned the dance. I liked the dance of like stun, then this and that and that, but I kind of knew it, and so I'd go into a yeah. room and be like, oh, this is a crowd. Pop, pop, but pop, they still pop, pop, they pop, feed pop. you the different element gun yeah ammo and then you unlock the each person's ultimate which it operates yeah. independent from the cooldown yeah i yeah i found I it really yeah. I still it, found it, it is a great game is, but yeah, yeah forza horizon i'm happy to make that the show's game of the year it is phenomenal well how crazy is it i mean usually uh, anthony you know this our show's game of the year is kind of predictable because Christian and I's tastes differ so widely. The only, the only, you know, bankable overlap, the, the only thing you can bet on that we both will love is a third person action adventure <laughs> game. That's usually a Sony exclusive. And so, and when, when, when horizon forbidden West got delayed, it was like, well, it's anybody's game now. I, to be honest, I thought it was going to be ratchet. I thought you were Dude, both going to put Ratchet. I thought, I, you know, Ratchet Ratchet would be on a top 10. It would be in my top yeah. 10 for sure. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's these games, I think, uh, I, Ratchet is so, so good. And so it's such a wonderful visual treat and such pleasurable, just pure pleasurable game. Uh, but it yeah. also, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like every other Ratchet game. It, it just, it, it's, it's comfortable and great. It just didn't stand out in the same way that these top five did for me. Um, what hurt Ratchet, in, in my opinion, is that the last one was so good. The last yeah. one was their Halo Infinite, right? Like the franchise yeah, sure. kind of faltered for a little bit. And then the remake of the first one was so phenomenal that Rift Apart had to be that. And it was. And I was like, yes, this is the filet I ordered. <laughs> yeah. This is delicious. But Christian, you have two Xbox exclusives games on your list and no Sony exclusives. So all those people that every year tell us that we're in Sony's pocket. There you go. Look at that. It's, 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 not, it's you know, it's whatever. It's our personal tastes. Well, that's the other biggest story of the year uh, for me that we don't need to spend time on, but it was Sony's first party. Like uh, Sony's 2021 was very atypical. Yeah. Um, and what it had been, Delays. especially the last few years of PS4. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Horizon <laughs> comes out, it's a completely different story, Right. Because we all expect that game to be great, and I think it still will be. So, I mean, I did have two PlayStation exclusives on my list. So <laughs> there you go, Returnal. Yeah, the check is in the mail. <laughs> well, Deathloop, Deathloop will be on Game Pass in Check's Watch eight months, right? Like that's it's a Microsoft yeah, game. Just sure. true, but Returnal will be on PC in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we've got some other categories, some fa- fancy, fun, interesting categories like biggest disappointment and whatever other categories you guys have come up with. Uh, we'll get to those shortly, but I want to do our our diamonds in the rough, our hidden gems. Uh, Christian evidently thinks a AAA game from a major studio is a <laughs> diamond in the rough, but that's okay. I, have okay. you seen it? Have you seen what it sold? Yeah, yeah well, it I is. A I think in the rough. I think narrative driven games are always. <laughs> They always seem under sort of represented just because they go on sale because the, you know, the marketing people see the numbers go down because they're single player. You finish it. You're done. Yeah. They're like, put it on sale. (laughs) All right, Anthony, what are your five uh, diamond in the rough games? Uh, You can do them in order or not, whatever you like. Okay. So uh, cruise and blast Mm. for that. More people should play cruise and blast. If you have a switch Um, Christian, you like that too, right? You like that game. It's a Cruising. great arcade racer. It's also currently or was on sale. I don't know if it still is. It also, if you have uh, children like we do, uh, it has an auto accelerate mode. You can't like, you don't need to steer really. So my son, he's three. He can play that. Um, also that the menu music, it will get stuck in your head forever. <laughs> um, my, uh, another one is Ender Lily's quietest of the nights, which is mm. uh sort of uh, Metroidvania really cool kind of uh dark soulsy in terms of the difficulty i don't know a better way to describe it i'm sorry um but i really really enjoyed that game um narita boy is mm. a game that the music is so good uh I, li- I still listen to it uh boomerang x which is a kind of arena shootery x shootery esque game where you're tossing a boomerang but you're also kind of grappling to the boomerang and you're trying you're basically trying to gain momentum and stay in the air and never hit the ground uh super fun and my final game is grime i think we talked about i think it was on the podcast uh it's another kind of metroidvania but i really really enjoyed it Uh, and those are my five those are great uh very very diamond in the rough uh can you just say the titles one more time for the audience? Okay. 
Cruising Blast, uh, Narita Boy, Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights. Uh, did I say Boomerang X and Narita Boy? I think you said Narita Boy. I have them out of order, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Boomerang X, Ender Lilies, Cruising Blast, Grime, and Narita Boy. Awesome. All right. There we go. Christian Spicer, your diamonds in the rough. We know that, uh, you know that Gardens of the Galaxy is on there. What else you got? Yeah, the others are in, in no order. This is not a ranking of these, but Celeste Classic 2, Lanny's Trek, which is playable you know, on a Pico 8. Some of the best um, level design still continuing that franchise. They say Extremely Okay Games has said they're working on a Celeste 2, but this had new um, Leanne scored sound and it was inventive in a way that having you play as Lanny in a fun way um all new levels I'm I'm there day one for any extremely okay games and it's it's a treat and it's I think free pay what you want kind of thing on um itch.io uh Celeste Classic 2 Lanny's Trek a game I talked about a lot this year that I think unfortunately is still locked behind apple arcade but it's Wonderbox, the adventure maker um especially if you have a controller to hook up to your ios device it's my go-to i have two minutes in the car i'm going to play a user-created level or kind of think around in the campaign and absolutely gorgeous simple um but zelda light slash um captain toad treasure tracker style game where you can kind of spin the world around and you're always just trying to go get the key to deliver the thing, to do the thing. Um, But each level is contained, but then doors will kind of warp you between these Captain Toad's treasure tracker esque um, landscapes and just stunning. And again on Apple arcade. So if you have an Apple one subscription um, for the other things that it offers music or TV plus or something like that, you probably already have it rocket league side swipe. That probably would have been on my five favorite if I knew what the monetization is going to be. Mm. I have a very hard time recommending a free-to-play game before it turns on monetization because I know how those games often work. (laughs) Yeah. A game will come out, try to rack up a bunch of five-star reviews, and then turn on the suck switch. (laughs) 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 Suck up all your money and suck as a game. Um, but currently, Rocket League side, Sideswipe is a wonderful reimagining of Rocket League. Again, I think best played with a controller, um, but really fun on touchscreen as well, and, and just a phenomenal 2D version of, of Rocket League. Uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which we talked about. And then my fifth one, again, in no order. And this is the most Christian pick of all of them. And it's the Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut uh, specifically Iki Island, mm. which is itself a, what is it, like a six or eight hour experience. Um, narrative is probably for six hours alone, the size of many small games. And I was just when I was telling people we're not in Sony's pocket, Christian. <laughs> I was blown away by how Sucker Punch managed to make an add on style expansion that is meaningful if you have finished the game it still has narrative weight to it but also i know when you can go there within the narrative and my experience was playing it after the fact um but i could see how it would fits within the narrative arc if you play it kind of mid game as well and i think that's really smart a lot of times you get these 
standalone expansions that are like, you should probably play it after you've played the game and to have this slot in for folks who are just getting into it. And the PS5 upgrades, the free one was nice. Um, but then all of the paid uh, additions to it as well really made that game feel new and fresh in a way um, with the dual sense controller and, and that aspect. And Sucker Punch knocked that game out of the park. And I think more people should play that expansion content. I didn't hear a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess that's a diamond in the rough for a multi-million selling game. That's okay. Christian's sure. Okay, you can try to make me feel bad. All right, say, say your five again, <laughs> just the titles. Celeste, Classic 2, Lanny's Trek, Wonderbox, The Adventure Maker, Rocket League, Sideswipe, Ghost of Tsushima, Director's Cut, specifically Iki Island, and Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, uh, my five uh, hidden gems... I did actually put into a order. I'll go from five to one in my own personal estimation. Uh, number five is Loop Hero, which is uh, one of the first times I've in a while I've played something and gone, well, this is a new genre. Somebody invented a new genre, and it feels completely fresh, completely new. I've never played anything quite like this. A uh, very clever addictive game i i honestly i know this isn't cool hip thing to say i just wish the graphics were better it really would make the game better i know that's not the cool hipster thing uh but uh i i do i did like playing loop hero a lot uh number four for me the forgotten city wow a really cool game a standalone product that came from a mod uh that is basically like you are a detective you're you're just talking to people and learning things and figuring stuff out and living inside this place that feels fully realized and uh it feels it feels like it has a history and and there's nooks and crannies to explore and the story is so cool and you're not really killing anything you're just talking to people and it's still thrilling and interesting and really well made the forgotten city number three wilder myth oh this game is awesome i mean it's definitely my you know, turn-based kind of combat that I love. Uh, Just really cool role-playing game where the story's uh, sort of procedurally generated to a certain extent. You can really create these wild, interesting tales. Uh, It's such a clever, clever game, a wilder myth. Number two, Christian mentioned it in his main uh, list, Before Your Eyes. Uh, It is, uh, I, I concur with everything Christian said. It is beautiful. It is stirring. It's powerful. Uh, it is a game that too few people played before your eyes. Check it out if you can If you can play it. And you need a camera. <laughs> if you're going to play it on PC, you can play it on mobile as well. Uh, but it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and then number one, it's a game I talked about a lot on the show. And it, I loved it. I put tons of hours into it this year. It's called Gordian Quest. Uh, I played a lot of card-based turn-based uh role-playing games it was i by far my favorite of the bunch i mean there was a lot of great contenders for that throne this year it's a it's a very thriving genre in the indie scene but gordian quest for me was the most fun of any of them uh a, a great entry fantastic art really cool strategy uh differing um uh, classes of characters that you can put in your party that really play and feel differently. Their decks feel very differently. 
um, roguelike elements, lots of replayability, lots of interesting stuff to do. Gordian Quest uh, is my favorite of the un, uh, undiscovered gems. Again, I'll say my titles, Loop Hero, The Forgotten City, Wilder Myth, Before Your Eyes, and Gordian Quest. There you have it. Uh, we got some more quick categories we'll, we'll mention. Um, do you guys have a biggest disappointment of 2021, Anthony? Outriders. I was going to ask Christian about Outriders because, Christian, I remember you saying you thinking that Outriders might be your game of the year uh, in 2020 when you were talking about it. You're like, in 2021, I'm thinking Outriders might be my game of the year. I went, I played the same thing that Christian did, and I felt, I think really <laughs> it, it was no, the wait, getting no, finish to your the, thought. Finish your thought. You played the same thing I played, and you were thinking the same thing back then. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I came away and was like, this game is oh. uh, going to be good. Um, and I think uh, by and large, it does have great elements. It's just once we got to the, the end game and certain things, I, I love me loot games. As most people know, I'm a big destiny, uh, diehard. Um, and just the thing, the systems and the way they implemented them, the, the way the expeditions or whatever they're called excursions, I don't remember, uh, are they're time-based, but didn't encourage other builds and the way that they handed out loot and the, the messaging and also just the, the brokenness of the game at launch where people's inventory was being cleared. And they were like, don't play the game. If you play the game, we can't restore your inventory. Like, okay. And does crossplay um, even work yet? I don't know. Like it I, do, I, I it played work. it so long ago. I quit following if crossplay ever worked. I, I put a lot of time into the game uh, and, and played a lot of it. So it, usually that's what turns into my most disappointing game is usually the game I put the most hours into. And I'm just like, Oh, I want you to be good. Um, but yeah, the, just from the messaging and the, the incomplete, uh, plan for how they were going to address issues. And then the way that they handled the end game, it just was my most disappointing game. There you go. Outriders. Yeah. Outriders, uh, not my most disappointing, but it is a game that I love the gameplay idea of like i love powers and i love shooting and i love third person and outriders was all of those things i think it got mired down in its loot progression wasn't the most rewarding and not only just the narrative wasn't fantastic but the way it was delivered by just like you're an idiot now i'm an idiot now we're all idiots and i'm just like okay i don't need this right now <laughs> um i have two that are one's a game and the other is several games in a service um honestly one of my biggest disappointments of 2021 is the continued state of cyberpunk mm. i like so many parts of that game we talked about it you know way back when when we first kind of reviewed it jeff and like i like the more linear nature of some of the levels that felt like call of duty um it runs well on my computer but there were still just enough like nits it's like death by a thousand cuts that kept me from finishing the story and I kept waiting. It was like, we're, don't worry, we're going to have everything out soon. Mm. And I'm not saying that devs should crunch or whatever, but I, it's still on my desktop. Like I kept, I don't want to go back to it until it's fully baked. And I'm bummed that every time I sit down at my computer, it's just looking at me and I'm like, it's still not fully baked. One of the biggest surprises to me is how little I've thought about that game. I don't even think about it. Like it, I, up until the moment it was released, it occupied a huge part of my mental real estate and it There's came out and i'm just like good games 
the wonderful what's good games with you and andrea and the crew yeah you, you all were like i don't this, it, there's no way it won't be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah prove me wrong yeah I, a lot of us and i'm still bummed I, maybe i should just delete it from my desktop but it, it yeah. has an app icon as is mentioned in the in the chat uh jeff and i both put it as our most disappoint our biggest disappointment of last year yeah yeah for sure it, for me it's it's a game that you just you can't simply fix like it's not a simple right. fix i That's think the a lot of people are like oh yeah you just fix the bugs or the performance like well no the ai is terrible fundamental the, problem fundamental design problems yeah, in that game it's yeah. not that fun to play when you figure out the best yeah there are there are great elements, visually great story, yeah. very interesting and explores concepts that are very unique to that world. But yeah, it, there's just, I don't think they'll be able to fix it. They just need to move on and introduce DLC and maybe I'll come back and play the DLC if it's polished. Okay. I'll delete it. Uh, the other one, <laughs> if you listen and you know that I love my analog pocket and I love retro games, uh, I'm so bummed that this is the year we finally got the expansion pack to the Nintendo Switch Online mm. service, a service I use a lot. I talked about it this year or last year about how I use my um, Power A arcade stick and play a lot of old NES and SNES games with my standing desk ray, so it's like I'm on arcade. And they finally expand the service to give N64 and Genesis games, and it's just bad emulation. And mm. that is, and it costs like whatever it was, 2x the regular service. It's, it's it's a real kick in the crotch. It's a Charlie. It's a Charlie Brown, is what it is, right? Yeah. It's like here's the thing you always wanted. Whoop, psych. Yeah, yeah. Those are down. good picks. Uh, I also have three a three way tie for biggest disappointment. Uh, the first is Twelve Minutes, which yeah. is a game I thought was going to be awesome and was not. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, the second is and this one hurts my heart a little bit because I love these developers and I, I consider some of them friends, so it hurts my heart to have to say this. Uh Jet the Far Shore. I just thought there was no way that game could go wrong, and it's it's just not that fun. It's it's not. Um I mean I I I found some things to like in it, but man, for as long as that game was in development and, and as exciting as as excited as I was about it, it, it it's it's a disappointment. And then the third one is Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, oh, which dude, is I hot garbage. Game. Um, so yeah. bad. So bad. But man, I just, I was so excited. I was going to play with my friends. It was going to be this multiplayer cool thing. We all like D&D. We'd let us all buy it. It's going to be amazing. I mean, I think it was on Game Pass, but regardless. Yeah. Super yeah, somebody, disappointing. Somebody came back from a preview of that uh, at our site and was like, Anthony, it's like the loot game you're looking for. I was like, okay. And then I saw more and was like, no, 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 no. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing, yeah. Kicking you to out of your party when you finish a oh, thing together is terrible. Dude, so many. I mean, it's just, it, it is, it is a terrible, there's very little to like in that game. <laughs> it is yeah. so frustrating uh, and sad. Uh, all right, so let's come up. If you guys have other categories, do you have a biggest surprise uh, of 2021? I have a biggest surprise. I have two biggest surprises. Uh, they'll be very quick. Yeah. You mentioned it up top, but I think it bears repeating console shortages. I, mm. uh, I'm surprised. I'm su- this is another holiday season. Shout out to Scooby in the Discord for getting his Series X. Like that's been a saga. Yeah. Um, to, to, to find still. And then my other one, which I know it shouldn't be, but Unreal Engine 5, I'm. That's the biggest surprise. Away. Yeah. That's pretty. Yes. 
Yeah. It's huge. Like, in the, in the all sense that, that my real jaw time, is still over there on the floor. Uh, yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But they told us. They kept telling us. You know. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, do you have a biggest surprise, Anthony? It would probably be Death's Door. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really, you know, I remember seeing maybe a screenshot passed around and then, yeah, it, it, some people were talking about it when it released. It's it's fine. I think Christian and I, uh, he he came on our sites podcast and I was like, have you played any of this? And he was like, I played a little bit. I was like, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, it just, it didn't really get all the attention. It kind of got swept away really quick, but. It was nominated uh, was for a surprised. game award, wasn't it? Wasn't it nominated? Oh yeah, well, we do vote for the game awards as yeah. a site, so maybe we helped. We helped, <laughs> you know. But uh, I, I really, really was surprised by how much I enjoyed that game and hadn't heard of anything about it. So before. good, yeah. Uh, my biggest surprise is a game called Knockout City, which yeah, every single time I saw it, I was like, could not be less interested in this. It looks so goofy and. I mean, not, not even goofy. I like goofy stuff. It just looked bland and like, you know, it didn't look, it looked like a nothing burger, you know? Uh, and then I played it. Why? Because it was on Game Pass and it did, there's no well, reason it wasn't not initially. to. initially. It was just free. EA oh, was it did free? Like a, yeah. Go eat for a little bit or whatever. Was it, was it on PlayStation Plus? Maybe it was. Maybe it was a PlayStation Plus I think it was game. PlayStation Plus. Whatever the case. It named it, yeah. yeah. Whatever the case. I got to play it free. For, for no, you know, there's no, there was no, it was just like, well, I might as well try it. Super fun. And yes, I did not stick with it over a long period, but for like the two or three weeks that I was playing it, I had a blast, a blast with Knockout City. Uh, I thought that game was so much fun. Total surprise. Total surprise. Uh, and really, really well, I think, well put together game. Uh, and other categories, guys? What do you got, Anthony? Any other categories? Uh, one that I always like to kind of think about is my favorite music or score mm, from a game. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to use it to give a shout out to Kana Bridge of Spirits. Yeah. I really, really like the music in that game. It It's rare that, you know, you get that kind of like Pixar-y, you know, the music swells and, and specific moments happen. And, yeah. and Kana Bridge of Spirits did that for me. I really, really like the music in that game. I, I like the game overall as well. I like the game too. I, I kind of looped around after that game started getting tons of uh, recognition and it, you know, it won the game award for best indie game. I was like, A, not an indie game. But B, uh, I liked it a lot, but it's not that good. I don't know. Yeah, it's I kind of looped around it's and went like the, it, the praise it's getting is a little over the top, but it was yeah. a delightful game. I liked it a lot, and yes, the music was great. Christian, any other categories? What, do you have a music? Me, I don't. I didn't know we were doing that category. I, well, I mean, neither did I. But thinking about it now, it'd be Forza Horizon Five for the reasons I mentioned. Like I know it's all yeah, licensed. It's all needle drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But full songs, I loved it. And then if I'm doing original scores, it'd probably be Halo because the way they brought back that music and then remixed it was real nice Very, too too few video games have like iconic scores like that you know too few they yeah, they I, benefit from that they benefit halo benefits a lot from that you know and i think so does uncharted i uh, yeah i love yeah. drake's theme yeah i love drake's theme and it's so great um my category and I can vamp for a little bit if you all want to chime in with one maybe you already did maybe it's it takes two but the category i thought would be fun is just uh I needed this 2021, you know, like the, <laughs> yeah. I needed this. And for me, it was Fortnite. I've talked about it on this show enough. I like Fortnite a lot. Oh, my daughter and I played duos. I talked, I think I talked about 
maybe four weeks ago, she played for the first time and what that onboarding was like. Now we played duos together for the first time. I was on my switch on the couch next to her. She was on our series S uh, in the family room. I think I'll graduate to me being on computer and we'll have headphones, you know, or whatever, but I wanted to be next to her and we won. I know it's (laughs) bot and algorithmed or whatever, but we won our first duos and I needed it. I needed Fortnite. I needed my golf game. Um, And that game continues to be, I think a shining example of what all the money in the world gets you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, really well-made, free-to-play game where the only real nit i have against it as a free-to-play title is it's utterly confusing menus that (laughs) press x to do this now x does this now press y to do this and a does and it's a mess but i love i love fortnite and i needed it this year i think i might put into the i needed it category this might be where i put ratchet and clank rift apart uh because like just it's just a feel-good game and 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 that just this the the feeling of collecting a million bits of things it's just pleasurable <laughs> that game is just and the you know there's so much great movement in that in rift apart in, in particular you know you're s- skating on those skates in that one level which is so much fun and yeah it's just it was just a feel-good game yeah i think it, if it wasn't guardians because i think it might be guardians because i just was looking for that type of story driven experience we just didn't we hadn't had a lot of those games like death loop and, and things like that. It was yes, the story, but it's really the gameplay that's supposed to push you forward. And I was dying for a game where I was gripped by the story more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, but if not that, I would probably actually say I really needed resident evil village just because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but I would just, you know, like we bought, we bought these new consoles and I was like, I just need like the, the big game, the, the game <laughs> yeah. that is the game. That's like, what's yeah. the game of 2020? It was like Hitman. Okay. It's yes, it's Hitman, but it's not my thing. And Returnal smaller roguelike. It was like, I need the big budget <laughs> release and to remind me what it's like to feel again, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because 2020 was like, oh, here's one, and then nothing for a while. And it, it kind of felt like we had to catch up, and then we were getting getting them kind of fast and furious for a little bit after Resident Evil Village. Yeah. That's, it's a weird choice, I understand. No, that's cute. I, I like that. I like that. It's cool. Uh, I, just, I needed that. I just needed to not feel comfortable in my own house. <laughs> um I have a category. I, 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 you guys have kind of already mentioned it, but I, I will reiterate. Uh, my category is best single level in a video game, and it's the Knives Out level of Hitman Three. I mean, I think for me, that game peaked in its second level, and it. I mean, I played the rest of the game. It's there's lots of really cool stuff in Hitman Three. It's a great game, but. Man, that second level is is the best single level of any video game I played this year. It is so cool, so fun, so interesting. It it nails the feeling of those parlor mystery movies uh, like Clue or Knives Out. I just love the experience of interrogating people, thinking about stuff, you know, listening and then and then investigating clues. No other video game has really captured that being a you know a a detective like that like Poirot or any of those Sherlock Holmes whatever it's uh it's a great single level beautiful and yeah. not like anything else in the rest of the game either 
And I loved how you do it as like a, it's not a send up of those things, but you're also not that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, go play this level. And by play it, we mean you role play as agent 47, play this level. Yeah. It's, it's really well done. Uh, another category I did was uh, best game that probably wasn't even a game. Uh, and that's the artful escape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> barely meets the definition. Yeah. of game. There's no goals. There's no challenge. There's no fail state. There's no, it's just like an experience. And I loved it. It's great. I loved it so much. Uh, but, you know, arguably not a game. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, I would pro- I'd probably say uh, unpacking is, which is a game, but it isn't. Is I still have to play that. I haven't played that. I, I, I wanted to play that before the end of the year because I feel like a lot of people are putting it on lists, but. I never got around to it. Also, to give a shout out to your best single level, there are some uh, amazing levels in Psychonauts 2. Um, I'm trying yes. to think of what, yeah. what I would pick. I but I struggled to find a place to put Psychonauts 2 on my list somewhere because I really enjoyed playing through that game, but uh, it, it didn't make it. Uh, but Psychonauts 2 is a great uh, a game that I honestly thought was going to underwhelm me because I thought the build yeah. up to it was going to be too much, uh, but it, it it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Great. I just thought of a new category right here in the moment, thinking about Psychonauts 2, and that's best public face, best head of a multi-billion dollar company's public face. Phil Spencer has knocked this year out of the park yeah, yeah. in terms of like messaging on Activision Blizzard, being on like doing like fun podcast appearances and fun sit downs, not just at E3 or not just at the Game Awards. Um, doing a really fun chat with Todd Howard in Bethesda and that whole yeah. sit down moment. Like he's, the, he is the head, you know, that someone works at Microsoft and is like, he's my boss and I hate him because I have to work Saturday, but he's so dang charming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a low he's, bar as far as head of multi-billion dollar <laughs> companies, but uh, yes, I, I agree. Phil, Phil's doing a great job. Uh, and then I had one other thing, which we've kind of already said already too, which is like, best gaming thing is xbox game pass <laughs> it's just like it's the best thing it's the best thing in gaming right now it really is uh so i guess everybody's going to accuse us of being in, in microsoft's pocket now which it's it's lovely no. it switches back and forth i am in i am in analog's pocket yeah. um very analog clearly pocket get it analog pocket uh so i my cat i have i have one more category yeah. i this was actually the first one that came to mind because it is DLC's favorite games of the year based on the incomplete sampling. Yeah. So what is your uh, game that either you played too little to make your list or you mm. didn't play at all that you wish you played? Mine, just so you guys can think, uh, mm. is Tales of Arise. I had heard yeah. lots of good things about it, but it's like so daunting, the idea of investing so much time in a JRPG. Yeah. Um, but I'd heard a ton of good things about it. Also, that is kind of bonkers. Um, but yeah, that would that would be for me. Uh, I wish I had. I played just a tiny bit of it. I wish I had been able to give it more time. Mm, I mean, for me, I guess it's Metro, Metroid <laughs> Dread because I just I I couldn't I haven't barely played it. I I keep telling myself I'm going to. It's hard to wrench the switch out of my son's hands these days, so that's part of it. But also, I just I bounced off of it real hard, real fast, and there was other things to play, and I haven't gone back to it. So maybe that one. I know it's. I know that's a short game too. It's, there's no real excuse for it. Uh, I mean, for me, Switch. You know, it's got a unique 
Yeah. For me, it'd be It Takes Two, which I, I imagine I'd love, like, the mechanics of. Yeah, um, you would. Yeah. I, I wish that I was interested in it. Or the other one that I actually put a little bit of time into, but not enough, and I know Carboni has loved it and sung his praises all over Twitter, and it's Genshin Impact, Yeah, where I, I love that it's cross-progression, so I downloaded it on my phone. I love my backbone. Uh, but it was one of those phone games where when it says it's downloaded, it's just the shell. And it's like play. And it's like we need to download forty eight gigs. And I was like, no, <laughs> dude. And that game's very updates. fun, though. I, I got into that game pretty hard for a short period of time too. It's 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 fun. And I know it's, there's a. It's another one of those games where you're like, it's this is my game. Yeah, well, and that's what I it play has to be. And you get you get to the end, and then you're like, oh no, they also botched it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. They're just. I there. mean, they're they're real. They real like you know. Uh, what's the word uh, time gate you mm. in terms of like, Oh yeah, you can just, you hop on, you do these things and then you really can't do much else yeah. if you yeah. don't want to pay money. Well, that's how it was on like so I, my, on my phone experience was like, well, I can't, I'm not going to download this 20 gigs now or whatever, or like keep this on my phone. So then I downloaded it on my series X and it like Fortnite, even though I have it set to like auto update, it felt like every time I sat down to play it, it was like, this game needs an update. And I'm like, what, what is it auto? And it's like, okay, I'll update it five gigs like what did they and i know it's a live service game but i could like in my hours to play it half of that time would be playing forza horizon <laughs> while i waited yeah. for it to update hmm. all right well there you have it that is our final episode of this year 2021 uh i hope you enjoyed it we have certainly enjoyed having you along with us this year our eighth year of dlc uh, which is, is an amazing thing to say, uh, Christian. Thank you for being uh, with me for for this long. We'll we'll, we'll do more look back uh, next week. But uh, Anthony Taormina, it's always a pleasure talking to you in any context. It, but it's just so awesome to have this tradition where you join us at the end of the year. It is it is a highlight of my year, no question. It's certainly something I you know every time I play a game and I like it, I I write it down. I'm like, gotta write it down and put it on the list. <laughs> Awesome. Um, but yes, it, I, I greatly enjoyed this experience, both with you guys and, you know, having people interact and, and the, uh, I don't know, know his real name, but the guy that puts together the list, uh, thank you to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's been hard these last two years, two years I haven't uh, seen yet E3. It's been like, uh, you know, yeah. it's crazy. It's weird, but, um, hopefully next year we'll see, you know, Greek alphabet willing. Uh, but Anthony, tell <laughs> yeah. folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you make online. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's Ant Tormina, spelled A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Uh, it'll probably be tagged in a tweet that one of you guys put out. And I know my last name is hard to spell. Uh, and I'm also editor-in-chief of GameRant.com. So if you want to read content that I help curate in some fashion, we do a lot of end-of-year lists. We do basically one a day throughout December. And uh, I kind of help vote for those. So any kind of fun categories you might think of, we typically cover. Uh, and then uh, we'll be putting out a best uh, best of games of the year list for our site uh, sometime soon. Fantastic. Christian Spicer, you got any uh, thing coming up? Well, I have Game Rant saved on my faves because new Destiny content is coming out. And GameRant.com is, well, Anthony basically is my home for... <laughs> destiny contexting or he's like i there wrote is about new it content already christian i know I wrote, like, I wrote about it and he links me back to his site like a jerk 
Like did not big, what? Did I really? <laughs> that's like awesome. big, not the last one you did. You're like, we just did a big article about it. And I was, this was oh, like last year. And I was like, fair, fair yeah. enough. Okay. Um, Twitter's the best way to see, especially for like changing recording times for this show. If you want to watch us live, um, it is spite at Spicer. I stream this show live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, typically around 7 15 p.m. Pacific on Sunday. Um, but these end of the year times, those shift and in flux. So, Twitter or joining our Discord, I'll post in general when I learn the time is the best way to kind of see that. And then I have a newsletter where I do about one or two a month where I write long form about games that you can subscribe to for free by going to tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And it's available there. And then really what am I doing this week, Jeff, is I am trying. This is another, I think I said it last year and God willing, the pandemic's continuing. This is another hard predictions year. I am nervous for next week. I am nervous. Well, you know, yes. (laughs) 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 But that's next week. Uh, I hope you you all tune in uh, for next week. It should be a fun one. Uh, Even though we, we, you know, as, as usual, we will hit the reckoning hard, but uh, in the meantime, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, and you can listen to the slash film. No, keep doing that. It's hard, you know, do it for something for 12 years. The film cast, uh, which is our movie and TV show review show. You can, you can find that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I also do a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. I do a sports show uh, all about the fan-controlled football league, which is basically Madden in real life. You can find that at twitch.tv slash FCF. And I do a a live play Dungeons & Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. You can find that um, on YouTube or as an audio podcast, or at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, fellas, uh, it has been fun. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks each and every one of you for being with us in calendar year 2021. We'll be back for the first episode of 2022 with our big predictions. Uh, just Christian, just me, the two of us, as we always do, like we did the first first episode of the first show almost nine years ago. Uh, and, and Christian, I suspect this will be a big uh, year of something for the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, yeah, buddy. We are grateful for each and every one of you. We're super grateful for Sean Madigan uh, in particular, but uh, you know, it, it's a very special thing to be able to have these bumpers that come up only a few times a year. Um Thank you, Sean, and and we we appreciate that. Um, we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.